everybody, welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio, and it feels good to be back after being off next week. You and Rob did an awesome show. You're uh, damn right I did. Week. I mean, Rob uh, and I did. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just want to know, man, like, you know, I heard Rob saying that I'm texting him in all caps and, and screaming and hollering at him. Well, he Come said on, you were man. losing his mind. You were when going do hobbits like, get no. out of control, man? You know, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty when fools are involved and carpet fest, I mean... It's a crazy time, man. I mean, it's, you know, we forgive you, but... Dude, it's stressful. Um, yeah, no I doubt. I know. I, I posted it. Actually, I, call, I talked to Howard last night, and he's like, and he's like, uh, he goes, uh, he's like, I tried calling Eric, but Eric didn't pick up. I'm like, he's setting up for a carpet fest. And he goes, oh, man, we've all been there. I'm like, well, actually, yes, the two of us have been there as well. And he's like, yeah. he's like kids these days, they don't get the... They don't know what Carverfest was like. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And then he and then he started talking, and it made sense. He goes, you know, in a house in Maryland where there's like just a table. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, he's working. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, in the rain. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No food. Oh I'm yeah, like, that's well, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, dear God. <laughs> Carpet fest yeah. sucked. It's like, no. There was some kind of there was some kind of post that was going on about uh, people. Uh, I think it, somebody posted up a picture of Eric Kohler and yeah. like, puking in my in my uh, in yard. yard yeah. And uh, you know they were like, I, I've been there. You know, so Howard posted up a picture of me in the car. Or Mike crossed it, or somebody <laughs> right? Did. Yeah, you were you you locked yourself in the car. To- Stay away from me. Yeah. See, obviously <laughs> the Burke clan is a little smarter than the Kohler clan because I may like literally, dude, I was going to puke on you. On we were me. in the middle. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to tell the story for people that might not know. I, I mean, we're in the middle of the auction, like literally in the middle of the auction. And yep. what had happened is this was the carpet fest where Zach and Dave were there. So I, I thought this was the third one, but maybe not, whatever. I think, I think it might've been the Second one. We had two at we had two or three at Howard's. Three at Howard's. I don't remember. Two at yours. They all blend together. Yeah. And now and it'll be two at, at mine. And that would be two seven. Yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was the third one. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, we're there, and I'm drinking beers with Zach all day long, right? And we're right. not eating. That was the year where we had all this fucking food. I stopped at these places and picked up like 17 pounds of burgers and shit. Right. And like we didn't. We didn't eat any of it because nobody, it, yeah. like, yeah, nobody uh, went to what do you call it to uh, go to the grill. The grill. We just all kind of yeah. stared at the grill. Anyway, uh, we're in the middle of the auction, and I, and you're and I'm like, dude, I think I'm gonna throw up. And then the next thing I did was get up and just left. <laughs> you're well, like, and what the hell is going on? Well, see, the problem is you're 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 sitting next to me going like, I don't feel so good. And of course, at this point, I'm. You know, three sheets to the wind myself. So all I keep doing is repeating to you, "Are you gonna puke?" And like, and that's very helpful. Yeah, I'm sure you probably, you probably have a better yeah. recollection of how it went, but pretty much uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um Yeah, that was a rough night, but I had the sense to go and lock myself in the car because I knew how yeah. you Morelia guys were gonna be, and like, you know, oh, we had all dick on my head yeah. or like, uh, well, <laughs> some and, and shit then, like and that. Then I'm like, and then I'm like, wrap Eric's car in saran wrap. And then they wrapped Howard's car in saran wrap. I'm like, close enough. So, you know, it's like it was it was an odd day. So Yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we're a couple weeks away for, oh, uh, God. 
Trump carpet. <laughs> it's just it looks like we're gonna have fifty plus people, man. You know, good. So I mean, it, it was kind of like we were. This talking might be about the it. biggest I turnout. I love it how we we threw something out there like, oh, we're gonna do this, and then everyone was like, eh, I'm like, fine, let's change it. Crawdads, and everybody's like, what about the crabs? And then Howard's like, oh, we could do crabs and crawdads. I'm like, you know what? You guys figure it out. Do whatever. I don't go. Just go. Right. No one's bringing crustacean. So yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much how it turned out. But uh, right, man, we got everybody. The outpouring of food and stuff like that is great. The drinks are going to be great. Um, you know, it, it's funny because you threatened Mike Brogna once that if the pool is in Clister crystal clear i'm gonna smack him in front of everybody and he lets me know how your pool is doing so you know it's... <laughs> yeah i um it's it's doing pretty good it, it's looking good i finally got it uh you know up to speed mike brought some kind of super duper pump some kind of shit i don't, I don't know but uh yeah it was uh it was hardcore and uh did the job so now it's just a matter of getting the levels right and you know we'll be good to go so sweet so yeah, man, it's uh, we're going good, and luckily we have enough people that have uh, talked about coming to help set up that, you know, they're all going to regret that uh, probably the week leading up to Carpet Fest because we're going to start grabbing bodies and putting them to work. So, you know, yeah, too late now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So yeah. yeah, I got some stuff I still got to do around the house and whatnot, and you know, it's always fun getting ready for this kind of thing, but at least get you done your housework really quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I can ignore my house for the entire month of June. It's like, you can. <laughs> so, you know, and not to mention like the leftover food you and Dory are going to have for like a month or I don't know. I still have beer of... from last year. I know. I still have beer. <laughs> I shouldn't have beer. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. You're a young guy. Might what not be hell? good. Anyway, shh, quiet. Yeah. All right. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's going to be, gonna be a good time and i'm looking forward to it the auction is blown up with all the stuff um you and i are going back and forth with the lists so it's looking pretty good so far we did have a uh we did have a pretty awesome uh i got a i got a uh email from uh ben tonight um and uh you know he was on a couple weeks ago and we had him talking about his uh um what do you call it He's a DNA disappointment. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm talking to uh, Joe at the same time. Um, Anyway, he he is going to be donating with Sean. They're going to either be doing a DNA fingerprint and registration for two pythons or testing uh, of two male pythons to see if they can determine uh, the sex on their offspring. So, dude, that's pretty sweet, man. I, I dude, I, I have this whole family tree that I drew out during that episode because I have my original caramel female, my 2009. Then I have like four of her daughters, and I have three of her sons, and I have like now we're starting to get like grandkids coming out here. So I'm like trying to like save the sheds, but like we're at this point where no one has shed, and I'm like, do it! I have to send it away, and it's like so eventually, like I'm gonna dump this entire box of this caramel line on the Ben and get it all mapped out. So it's going to be awesome. Cool. So yeah. on tonight's show, we got Joe from Port City Pythons and from the ground up. His other half, Melissa, is not going to be with us because I think she's babysitting or something like that. But maybe we get her on her own show and she'll uh, really spill the beans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> 
if you haven't I'll had a chance when, to you know, I'm on their show. Of course, now we're going to have him on now, and then I'm going to go there. I'm not going to have anything to talk about with Joe because now I'll have talked about it all. Well, here. they're going to be talking to you. You know what I mean? Oh, about what you do. Me. Wait, you well, mean they ask me questions? Yes. <laughs> which is which is probably why Joe's super excited about tonight. Like we're asking him questions and he doesn't have to ask questions. Dude, it's so awesome when you go on a podcast and you just answer questions rather than ask them. Uh, yes. But anyway, they've been doing it. Uh, I think they're like maybe 60, maybe close to 70 episodes deep now and uh you know, um the the they're probably I think us uh, herpetological highlights, which by the way, we got a message from those guys today, which is pretty yeah, awesome. Uh, that's that another, uh, another awesome podcast. And guess what? Did you see what they're talking about on their next episode? I'm not going to spill the beans no. cause I don't want to let it out of the bag, but you should go and look at that message on because you will be quite happy on what they're talking about next week. Right, you, you stall for time. I have to go. Okay. On the internet. No. So we're going to hit on a couple things before we get Joe on. Um, so dude, my odds are crushing it this year. Uh, <laughs> holy shit, man! I must have like paid homage to the uh, the snake gods or something. But I got the albino zebra clutch is hatching, and I think so far I've counted five albinos. I've gotten an albino zebra jag, an albino zebra, uh, an albino jag, a normal albino, and I can't tell what the other one is. <laughs> and I uh, to be determined. Ooh, yeah. So that's what their their next episode is going to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I told you I would like it. Joe mm-hmm. would probably like it too. Mm-hmm. Read yeah. between the lines, people. <laughs> yeah. Come on. If Owen and Joe both like it, what could it possibly be? All right. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can only be one thing. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so my season's officially done. That female, that last female that I thought was going to go, she's 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 not grabbing at all. She's going into a shed. So and <laughs> anyway, dude, you know that you know that V eighteen rack that I have that's like half the V eighteen rack. Yeah. I have baby tubs to the ceiling <laughs> on top of that thing, and they're the tiny little tiny little uh, tubs filled with babies. I'm like, what the hell did I Damn, do? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's absolutely freaking hilarious is yeah. you're finishing up. I still got females getting ready to lay. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. I mean, like my my bread lie female, who's as big as a freaking house, just had her pre lay shed. Right. Wow. So Holy it's shit. Like, well, bread lie go later, right? Yeah. I know, true. but it's like, and I just this last week though, I had a jungle clutch. I had two coastal clutches. So it's like, and you thought you weren't getting anything. Shut okay. up! All right, <laughs> shut up. Just because I do that every year, every year, <laughs> every year doesn't uh-huh. mean I need to hear about it. So yeah, right. just let me have my panic attack, and then when eggs start coming, I will be like, knew it all along. That's to just let it happen. So mm-hmm. no worries. So I did want to talk about something real quick, and maybe we can go, go into it. it um, I don't know. Maybe we should wait for Joe to come on so that we could talk about it. But anyway, I got a mess, a listener that was messaging me today about uh egg bound female. And uh, I've had that experience a couple times. Yeah. I know you've had it as well. Um, yeah. Just some of the things that you can do, um, you know, when it happens, 
Should we wait for Joe? Talk about it when Joe's on? Maybe that's a topic. We can we'll talk about it now, Joe. and then we can talk about it when Joe's on. We can talk about it. No, you let's and just I can wait. Start we'll talking talk about it, and then we can bring Joe on. I can. <laughs> what do you want here? Yeah, we'll 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 wait. We'll we'll get into. Just don't let me forget about that. Um, okay. Because uh, I want to make sure that we just take a you know, like I said, a few minutes to make sure that we're hitting on everything. Uh, Carpet Fest wise, uh, we got uh, a lot of people coming in from out of town, which is uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, over on the Facebook page, if you're interested, uh, it's the group page Northeast Carpet Fest. Uh, I put up hotels and uh, you know uh, that are in the area. Um, what else? Uh, we're still looking for. Are we good with food now, or where are we at with that? Are we still we're, want people. If if you are coming, we ask that you bring something. I know if you're traveling a pretty far distance, it might just be a store bought thing. But you know, if you can drop me a line, uh, we could probably still grab a few more things or need a few more things. Uh, at this point, I might just tell you to you know pick up your favorite case of whatever drink you want to bring or uh, you know. Grab I think that's items. the route. It seems like so, we got plenty of food and stuff I at this think point. We're good at this point. Um, but we'll just bring alcohol. See. Just bring alcohol. <laughs> just uh, come drink to excess and fall down. So yeah. Speak. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, I got to uh, I got to hit up the uh, daiquiri machine thing again. Uh, really? I guess we're, we're going to do that. Do that. Again? <laughs> I guess I don't know, man. I don't, it seemed like people liked it somewhat. I don't. I don't know. You well, know. I've always put it this way: if Bill Stiegel commands a daiquiri machine of some sort or some sort of margarita machine. We'll talk about it. Until then, it's a solid maybe. So, okay. Bill, you've now got <laughs> 20 minutes to contact at least one <laughs> of <contact>? us. contact? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm putting a timer on him. So. Oh, shit. Oh, Bill, yeah. he's, he's, he's really pushing oh, yeah. things. Oh, yeah. He knows. Oh, yeah. If I had, right. to deal with, right I had to deal with the fan of his this week, I'm dealing this right now. So, yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so for people that don't know, it's June 9th, June 9th. Yes. And it's at my place, Warminster, PA. Um, yeah. So if you're interested uh, and you're not on Facebook or something like that, uh, just send an email to info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com uh, and uh, we'll be able to uh, make sure you got the information you need. So right. I and think uh, donating to the auction Please let us know what you want to donate. Just also, big, big, big reminder: no live animals are allowed at Carpet Fest unless other speci- unless specifically cleared with Eric. It is his house. It is his collection. Please do not bring your retic because it's friendly. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there right now. I know uh, you know there was a few people that might uh, bring snakes for the donation and whatnot. Um, no, just bring a picture. I- <laughs> Well, I think I think there might be a couple people that it's like exchanging or whatever. Unless it's going to me, <laughs> it's not going in no. my snake room. Yeah. So just no. be prepared <laughs> that it's not going anywhere near my snake room in any capacity. Any three of them, no way, it's not happening. So <laughs> we need to talk about that. But we'll get three to rooms. That later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's my uh, my thing. I'm working on uh, room number three right now as we speak. But anyway, um, just know that it's probably going to be in your car or, you know, out on the back porch. Somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. So Outside. just be prepared for that yeah. kind of stuff. Sorry, but um, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, you want to uh, let's let's get Joe on. Let's get this going sure. here. Enough, enough of us rambling. Joe, welcome to NPR. How you doing, man? Good to have hey, you. Hey, fellas, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's an honor to be on. And um, a lot of my efforts when I'm doing podcasts usually are trying to hold back interrupting people or talking. So if I ramble too much, stop me because I've have a lot of pent up things to say. No, no, no man. No, we refuse. No, that is this what is we have time. here for. We want you to <laughs> ramble. We want you to let that all out because no one wants to hear us talk. So yeah, uh-uh, that ain't happening. See, we'll just use each other's podcast when we have to vent. Then you can come on here and vent, and then we can go we'll on your show. There you go. I have a feeling Owen will have some things to say for us. Uh, <laughs> oh, no doubt. <laughs> I might not. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, come on, Owen. <laughs> All right. Don't fine. let me down. You have a rep to uphold, too. Come on, man. I don't want it. Anyway. <sighs> so I should ask this first question before Owen starts with his intro questions and whatnot. But, like, uh, what uh, beer of choice are you drinking tonight on uh, on this episode? Well, I like that you assumed that I'm drinking. And I am drinking <laughs> a New Holland <laughs> Brewing called the Poet, an oatmeal stout. Nice. Okay. No. I, I'm drinking a Heineken. I'm kind of boring. I'm drinking but, coffee because then you just stay awake. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Owen. <laughs> I had to move Jim in all day. It's like, you know, oh, yeah. that, was, that was a battle of will and everything else. So, yeah, come well, on. Well, that's a podcast episode all in itself. It YouTube that. <laughs> <laughs> Should have. Uh, all right, go ahead, Owen. Get into all right, it. anyway. Um, Joe, why don't you tell us how you got started into reptiles? So unlike a lot of people, my parents were actually into reptiles. At least my dad was. So I got started for my dad, I think, throughout the 80s and 90s. was always keeping boa constrictors and Burmese pythons and, you know, the giant snakes that people just bought as pets and put in 20-gallon tanks at those times. And um, so I always had him in the house. We started going to the White Plains show when I was probably, you know, eight or nine years old. And that's where I got my first corn snake. I actually brought a corn snake for show and tell in first grade, which I'm sure is a lot of people probably thought I was super weird, but I didn't really know any better. But from there, I kept my corn snake through high school, and I had that corn snake still today. Or actually, no, that, I got a second one in middle school, and that's the one I have today. And uh, his name's Tony. He's 14 years old. Jeez. And he actually just bred for the last time last year. But um, I'll have him forever. And uh, in college, I kept a tortoise in my bedroom, or in my dorm room, rather. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of got serious after I uh, came back from basic training from the Army. And then that's really when I got into, like, ball pythons and then slowly realized that I hate ball pythons and kind of went back to corn snakes (laughs) and found you guys actually probably about five years ago or so and got my first jungle carpet. And that's kind of what led me to – diversifying my collection and collect a bunch of different stuff 
Awesome. Okay. Cool. So, so why co- – I'm sorry, Owen. I'm going to jump in here real quick. Why corn snakes <laughs> being better than ball pythons? I just found better. that money – because money is not really an option. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just the amount of effort I was putting in, you know, to make my room into West Africa and <laughs> to buy live feeders. And to do all these things that you really have to do that no one kind of tells you that you have to do to be successful with ball pythons on a larger scale. Right. Like, I just realized I was putting in too much effort for too little return. And I was never going to be the guy who was able to buy, like, the $25,000 new morph. So, like, I wasn't going to go anywhere. I was going to produce a few ball pythons, have trouble selling them, um, have, have to buy live feeders all the time. So it was nice to be like, okay, now I am just, well, actually, I should say most of my collection got what at the time we were calling snake aids affectionately, mm-hmm. and which was probably ball python nidovirus mm-hmm. and ended up wiping out half of my collection. And I had grown pretty quick at that point. So mm-hmm. all of my young animals were in the same area and wiped out, you know, a couple thousand dollars that I had spent, which at the time when I was in college and I was working, you know, my job after class and stuff like that really brought me down like super depressed and totally was not sure what I was doing as far as snake keeping. And um, that's when I decided, Hey man, I'm going to keep rare stuff, but rare stuff that's easier to keep. And I don't also have to be involved in the rat race of morph breeding and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I can understand that. Sorry, Owen. Go ahead. You should be. Anyway, um, can you give us a kind of a quick history of Port City Pythons? I mean, you kind of just did a little bit, but like, what are you working with? And, you know, what's your kind of, where's your collection at going or where's it going? Yeah, so Port City Pythons was named, obviously, because I had ball pythons at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I just never felt the need to change it just because I went so far and it has a ring to it, so I kept it. But I had started that kind of just like everyone. Once you get one snake and you see everyone has a business page for their snakes, I had to join the club and, um, you know, make my little business, I guess you could say. And... Um, yeah, so I went through, I sold, I bred and sold ball pythons for about four years, or no, probably more like two to three years, mm-hmm. and then until I ended up moving across country and this whole other thing, and when you move, um, you know, there's stuff, it gives you an opportunity to say, hey, I don't really love working with this, let's not <laughs> stress it out, move around country, let's sell it instead, it's a good excuse to sell all the things that you've been borderline about selling, but never really pulled the trigger because you like snakes too much. Right. I got a few of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I could, I could see that. I could see leaving the Dominican red mountain bows in a box, like, you know, in the old house, but that's neither here nor there, but you know, yeah, uh, yeah I got, I got you. Cool. Yeah. There's just some things that, um, I don't know. They don't, for whatever reason, like the hog nose that I have, 
I mm-hmm. like hog nose, but is it worth all the huffing and puffing and being mad at me and not eating and then ferociously eating your fingers and all that stuff? I don't know. The game yeah, I, I think play. that's. Yeah, I think that's like, uh, you know, that's the uh, battle that I've had with scrubs forever, you know, and finally I'm just like, well, why do I keep getting into it and out of it and into it and out of it? I'm just going to stay into it and just deal with the, you know, the piss and the biting, <laughs> you know, I'd rather get bit than, than get pissed on. But, you know, it's, it's well, like one of those things. Well, you make me look like a giant pussy because I just said I'm sick of dealing with hog nose and you're talking about scrubs. <laughs> Yeah, but here's the thing. Hognose, like, I have the Madagascan giant ones, and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be like Westerns. They're going to be all bluff and, you know, no action. Bullshit. Like, I mean, those things, like, like I never thought I would get back to where their, you know, little fangs are, but they bite and chew you right back. And I'm like, oh, that happened quickly. So, you know, hog, hogs can be jerks. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not going to give you that one. So, yeah, it's crazy how they eat. I don't know if you don't have hog nose. Um, when they grab a hold, my girl, she doesn't care if it's sideways, but she'll walk up, you know, mm-hmm. all the way to her back fangs and everything like that, like super quick. Mm-hmm. And they're also wow. super stupid and super really? duper <laughs> unathletic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, you guys that are into colubrids, are you eventually going to move into like some of the uh, like? I know Dan uh, posted up DM Exotics posted up some video, his latest video, and he had uh, Patias uh, Coronata, I think they were, mm-hmm. and they're freaking badass snakes. But like, is that something that you're gonna venture into, or are you just staying with the more mainstream colubrids and pythons? Yeah, I don't really want to stay with the mainstream stuff, but I don't want to go that far as far as a snake <laughs> that large yeah, right. and that yeah. particular, as well mm-hmm. as, you know, my room's set up for North American colubrids. Once you get into Asia, you got to switch everything up, and it's just something that doesn't fit in with my collection, even though I love, like, I would have a uh, Mullendorfi, you know, those what are they, hundred right. flower rat snakes or thousand flower yeah. rat snakes. I don't know. Yeah. But I'd have, I'd have a whole bunch of those beauty snakes, all that stuff. But, um, I just haven't pulled the trigger just cause we're not really equipped to take care of the cooler species. Now, is it much of a switch going from, no, I know you keep like olives and jungles and, uh, I think you have green tree or two, right? And you keep mm-hmm. them all together, right? No issues there? Uh, not necessarily. Like, I have my green tree in the living room in a display. Okay. And, um, but otherwise, my racks are, yeah, some random things. So I keep everything besides, I have an ambient room where all my adult corns are and my eggs incubate. And mm-hmm. that's capped at 80 degrees. So that's Terry Phillip method. Right. And then, um, like, I'm looking at my rack right now. I got corn snakes, king snakes, hog nose, and an Amazon tree boa, all in the same rack. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like my room, yeah. <laughs> so. 80, 85 degree hot spot and uh-huh. 74 ambient for everyone. 
And that's including uh, the olives, including the jungles. That's including water python, um, pine snakes, that kind of thing. Okay. Wait, Owen, isn't that the one that you like, pine snakes? Weren't you looking oh, for some? There's there's different types, Eric. There's, you know, northern, southern. The black, black pine snakes, snakes, right? I do love black pine snakes. Uh, gotcha. We'll get some soon. So, is that what you're working with, or you work? What kind are you working with, Joe? Uh, I work with Ruth Benai, which is um, the Louisiana pine, mm, which okay. is the rarest snake in North America that's native to North America. So they're like have a super fragmented um, habitat throughout a little bit of Texas and Louisiana. So it's kind of on the border of Texas and Louisiana, but they're super fragmented. And um, luckily we have a good amount in the hobby. We have a, uh, a line from Terry Vanaventer, and we have mm-hmm. a line from John Ginter. And um, my animals are from, I have a male and a female that are Bandy Venter, and then mm-hmm. I have a lone male that's Ginter. So okay. I have a, a little group of things that hate me, but they're cool looking. <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want a rattlesnake, I mean, why fuck with the venom when you can have these pines (laughs) act, I guess, as I could imagine, what a rattlesnake. You know, they're 100% mimic as far as, you know, the same exact coil, like Mm -hmm. the rattling of the tail, and they're hissing, they're going crazy. You know, they're more of a show, even. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, they're super fun. Um, the downside is they shit constantly and all over. Mm-hmm. Right. But And those animals, I tried to breed them this year. Um, I don't know if anything came of it. It's kind of, they're kind of on the verge of three years old. They're probably, but I mean, I don't feed anything that much. And, right. Um, and it, it's hard to tell because when I put them together, um, a lot of my colubrids, I just kind of wait, and then I see them court, and then they hook up. But these guys, if I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, they're rattling, they're musking, they're huffing and puffing. So I can never – I don't want to disturb them once they're in there. So I just leave them in there overnight. So I never have seen a loft, but that's not saying that they haven't lost. Gotcha. Now, when you're you're down in Texas now, right? Do you ever go yeah. out and like herp for uh, the uh, some of these native or North American colubrids? Yeah, so I herp. I, I try to get out more than I have. I'm kind of disappointed in how much, but I've gone out like two or three times this year. Last year, I went out a bunch. Um, usually, I just kind of run outside on this trail outside my my place and then sometimes you run into snakes so i find a lot of um like rough green snakes and i i haven't found all i found is a baby western rat or texas rat and um we have things like emery rats we have bull snakes here um, we have speckled king snakes we have all types of stuff. I found a lot of line snakes, which are apparently hard to find. Like, once you get in the field herping, you realize, like, holy shit, there's all these species that I have no idea about. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, these 
these things are tiny. They live under a rock. You probably mm-hmm. couldn't keep them in captivity, but they're mm-hmm. super cool. Right. So, uh, so I find a lot of, and I didn't know there were scorpions or tarantulas until I started flipping rocks and throwing the little <laughs> shit out of me. Spider, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to find out. Yeah, it's the best <laughs> way to find that. Yeah. Yeah, so there's all types of good things. You know, coming from New York where it's a garter snake or if you're real lucky, a, a black rat and uh, maybe a milk snake or something. I mean, it's a different ball game. I, the most common thing I find down here is a copperhead, which, okay. I mean, I find to be probably the most beautiful native snake we have, at least in my opinion. I just love, love the look of them, and they're tiny and chill. And they just mind their own business. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the first time my dad bred them, I think by accident. And that was like the first time I ever saw snakes like, you know, being born. It was like, holy shit, <laughs> that is friggin' badass. But uh Your yeah. your dad kept venomous when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him at Harper Fest. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. All. Ask my dad. Yeah, he'll be there. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he kept all kinds of crazy shit. We had cobras and Everything vipers, sidewinders. <laughs> you know, he was the, he was the original viper keeper. <laughs> oh god! How dare you say that about your oh, father? That, that's an insult to your I, father. <laughs> yeah, I know. I better back god. that up. <laughs> Uh, oh, how many bird cages did he have for his cobras? <laughs> <laughs> Is that too far? Is that too? Oh, no. Cobras yeah. loose in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have to change the word. Now he did like uh, he was actually pretty cool with how he did it. He made like these makeshift boxes where he had like a dowel that went up into the top of the cage, and they would go in the box, and you would just push the dowel down, and it would close the door in front of the hide box, and then you would just take the hide box out and. You know, he's never hands-on. One time, I think he was hands-on in some kind of temple pit viper of some species that I have no idea what it is. Like, took a swing at him, and uh, I, I came, I was down there working with him, and you see him sitting on, the like, the step to the basement, and he looks like he just saw a ghost. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? And he's like, that thing almost bit me. <laughs> and then, like, not soon after that, he started selling that stuff. <laughs> there you go. But, but get so, on. Joe, what, what, what size kind of collection of colubrids are you working? Like how many corn snakes? And you have corns, kings, kind of the whole rundown. I know you said I know you said pines, but like how big or how many corn snakes are you working with? Um, as as far as corns, I probably have like forty, and that is um. I think it's about 10 adult pairs and then the rest are grow ups. And, um, so it's really not, not huge. And, um, I'll, I have eight clutches on the ground now and then I'll have nine. And, um, so my collection will at least double or triple once all the eggs are, are hashed out. And then, we don't count babies because then we'd all yeah, yeah, exactly. in very big trouble. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's really not not huge. And then as far as other adult animals, mm-hmm. um, I have kind of on the rarer stuff. I always buy females first. So 
I have like a random three-year-old olive python and a random three-year-old water that are both females that um, I just haven't gotten around to getting males for. <laughs> but um, I love those guys. And then like Mexican black king snake, Cali kings, um, the pines. And that's that's really it. And I, I have actually a uh, two jungles. So I have a, a jungle male and another male jungle diamond. And that's really the rundown of everything. Awesome. So... And hide dog and Amazon tree boas and green tree. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I, I'll, I'll forget what the hell I have to. So yeah. So um, when it comes to you know we've talked about with colubrids, it's like eat and then two minutes later just shit all over their cage. Have you kind of tried to find a way to I don't know counteract that? I mean, what, do you, are you keeping them on paper or bedding or, you know, cause I imagine with paper, you're down there a bunch pulling them out. Yeah. Like I'm no snob on keeping uh snakes or whatnot, but I mean, I don't think paper is a good solution for colubrids just cause a, it, you know, it's not going to absorb any smell and mm-hmm. these things are going to be going to the bathroom, you know, potentially twice a week. And you don't want to be, having to clean exactly when they go to the bathroom and you end up cleaning every single day. So, and, and also I find that they, the babies will certainly come out, you know, semi arboreal and they'll climb all over everything. And then as adults and as babies, they'll burrow as well. So I like to offer them, you know, a good amount of Aspen chips in order for them Mm -hmm. to burrow and then I use like these egg crate things that sometimes they can, they get on top of, sometimes they go under and, you know, they get to choose whatever they want to do. But uh, I just try to give them options more so than your bare bones, just like paper, water bowl type of thing. Mm. Okay. So have you, uh, cool. have you tried to, any kind of mixing up with the food, with the colubrids? I know with certain people that I've talked to, like pine snakes will eat anything and, you know, if anybody ever told me that they were going to be feeding a a snake like a chicken leg, a colubrid, I'd guess it was like either a pine snake or an indigo. Have you kind of dabbled with some kind of stuff, or are you straight rodent with these guys? Um, I've I've just done things to try them. So I've mm-hmm. done um, my Mexican black king snakes eating chicken breast. Um, <laughs> it's eaten, which is probably not a good food. You know, super lean and but uh so it's eating chicken breast it's eating a corn snake slug which what i i I had no idea that it was gonna i have video of it eating a corn snake slug somewhere and um it eats a lot of baby corn snakes (laughs) and and i have done uh reptilink so i have done a frog and rabbit mix i have fed that to hognose i've fed that to green tree pythons I have fed that to Mexican black king snake. I have fed it to a few corn snakes. They're they're kind of iffy about it. Um, I've fed it to the olive python. That thing will eat anything, and the <laughs> water as well, which will eat anything. Jesus. So, are you at all worried that because the Mexican black has eaten so many corn snakes, that putting it, but that pairing it will result in uh, cannibalism of the male, 
or vice versa? Probably. Um, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I just, uh, at least for the Kings, because I have a lone male, and I got so fucked on that deal. I mean, I have grown up so many supposed females that have been males, and then by mm. the time I lose the three to four years that it takes, mm-hmm. I lose my desire to buy the male. And or with Mexican Black King Snakes, they went from $150 to like $300 randomly. I know. That pisses me off because I wanted some and I waited and now I'm screwed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, like, so that with happens my with... Kings, Go ahead. With my Kings that I have now, I have Cali Kings that I've paired up. Um, I break the feeding response. So... So one of my cow kings, if I open the top of the tub, he's just reached over, saw something move, and just bit himself for no reason. So, <laughs> so like, you need to break that initial like response. You know, they're just psychos. I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I I moved my four cow kings into a new rack where it's one of the ones that actually uh, there's lids on the tubs. So as I pull it out, they all start going crazy. And by the time you unhook the lid, they're already up and out. And uh, they're, and it's a rack that's above my head. So they've been just enjoying life raining down on my head uh, every time I have to go in there. So yeah, and I, I tend to have, I tend to have them jumping out of the tub and hanging off the tubs. And it happens with my olive. I just posted a, a video on Instagram of it happening with my corn snake. It happens mm-hmm. with the kings. They just pop out, which is fine. They're eating. That's good. Oh, yeah. Hell Whatever. Yeah. Who gives a damn? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm very much in the camp of I don't care what you do to me. Eat your food. <laughs> like, I, you, can, <laughs> you can bite me on the face. If you turn around and eat your head, I'll, all right, all is forgiven. You know, don't, don't be one of those jerks that flip, flips out and doesn't do what you're supposed to. So. Hell exactly. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about from the ground up. Like, let's let's start at the very beginning. Like, why did you start the podcast? Like, what was your thinking? And um, I I had when I got into it, and I always loved um, podcasts, and I started listening to Reptile Radio, and yep. then eventually I figured out about you guys. And um, I just always loved the platform, but I never had the balls to do it. So I had the idea to do it, per se, like, you know, probably five years ago or so. Right. But um, for whatever reason, and this has happened with multiple things, like, I may have the desire to do it, but I'm just not ready. And then, like, I feel mm-hmm. like now I'm, I was finally ready to do it. I decided that about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, I decided, hey, I'm going to go serious on YouTube, Instagram, and do a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care if it's terrible at first, because I think all of our podcasts were, our first podcast was terrible. And oh, hell yeah. guess what? It, do- oh, yeah, it, it doesn't matter horrible. how many people oh, listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, it, that's fine. You have to, like, learn on the fly. There's no, like, 
I'm sure there is, but you know, we didn't take any podcast class to get good at it or anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's repetition. And then all your repetitions are put out there online for people to listen to. So <laughs> yeah. <a> share. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the worst was doing the first one for me was by myself, you know, it's like, Oh shit. And I think the first one you did by yourself as well. Right. Didn't the very first one <laughs> was all you solo. That's freaking oh, hard, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not a good. It's not a good look. I wouldn't do it probably ever again. Besides, I mean, I did a quick Christmas one, just thanking everyone that's been on the podcast and stuff by myself. But other than that, I don't. I don't know. But um, putting it putting it out there was kind of scary at first and I I wanted to do something different you know I didn't want to do exactly how you guys did it or exactly Mm -hmm. how reptile radio was so Mm -hmm. because I knew I wasn't going to just come out and be as good as you guys and compete on the same plane you know like I knew that I had to differentiate myself somehow so that's why I did video and then I did also just not just being um, on SoundCloud and doing it differently, you know, not doing block talk radio and doing all that. So I just want to do right. things a little bit differently. Well, that's cool. I think like, <clears throat> like, so how did, how did Melissa get involved? Was that the plan from the beginning or did she just happen to be there one time that you were doing it or? Oh, it was by default almost. I don't know if it was like we were just, in the same room when I planned to do it at a certain time. But mm-hmm. I think I knew that I couldn't just talk to myself and um, I was doing it on YouTube and we were getting these questions and stuff from people. And at that time we had like a hundred subscribers. So there was like one person asking us questions. Right. So what was good about, <laughs> about Melissa at that time is that she also knew nothing about snakes. So Mm -hmm. she would be genuinely curious about things and then kind of ask me, and then we would kind of discuss things. And eventually, I mean, we did probably like 30 episodes or something of just us two. Yeah. And people sometimes are like, hey, man, I just found your podcast. Like, I'm listening from the beginning. And I'm like, no. Don't. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Right. Please just start at like 50. Right. So, yeah. So I found out that it's a lot more interesting when you have people to talk to and, you know, having people on. Even though I thought that I was going to go a different way initially, um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's the best way to go. I mean, obviously, as you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I do like when it's, it's kind of like one of those weird things and we, we kind of hit on this earlier. It's like, you know, you spend all this time talking to other people and highlighting them that a lot of times you don't get a chance to talk about in detail. I wonder if you feel the same way, like what you have going on or like, you know, a point that you want to make. Like a lot of times I find myself bite my tongue when I hear people, you know, talking about a topic because I don't want them to know my point of view more about the listener or the guest point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of the same way. 
Right, yeah. So much is in me. And that was in the beginning. I don't think I did that a lot. I think now <laughs> I'm a did. lot better. <laughs> no. Because no. you're excited, okay, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but – and it was also, like, the first, like, 10 that we had guests on, like, I was getting legitimately drunk. And <laughs> then, yeah. like, That's bad, like man. Like, now <laughs> – yeah, yeah. I have like two to three beers in two hours. And it makes me loose enough to have fun, but right. not not lose my my boundaries. So that I have was some a pretty on the fly. Yeah, I have some pretty classic rants from back in the day where I had one too many cocktails and uh <laughs> Then we have the entire uh, iCash um, debacle where everyone was too far into the bag. And oh yeah, we were all live show. Oh yeah, it's the reasons we don't do live shows anymore at venues. Yeah. So wait, you guys did a live show from iCast? Yep. Yeah. Holy shit! I'm gonna listen yep. to that. No, don't. Yeah. It's horrible. The Casper <laughs> steals the phone halfway through. Actually, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Natush isn't too bad, but then all of a sudden, it's actually pretty funny because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Casper like just grabs the phone and is like, "You must buy super camels," you know, like yeah. it's Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Owen's drunk uh, on bourbon under the table. Or I some was shit. Well, he left <laughs> me alone. It's like that was whose fault was that? Uh, uh, good yeah. times. Good times. If they do that again, you know, maybe we'll bring back a live show for that. But cool. we'll see. Yeah, we swore them off after oh. that. <laughs> no more of that. No more uh, of that. So, I'm, I, you know, like, what is uh, so? Where do you where do you see the podcast going in the future? Like, what's your plans of uh, taking it to the next level, or like, uh, you know, my plan is really to figure out how to get people that haven't been on NPR yet. It's like, <laughs> you guys sorry. are We're sorry. Good luck. Six years ahead of you. It's good luck at this <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> and I have most of my friends through like Carpet Fest and then meet right. all their friends <laughs> who are also affiliated somehow. Uh, well, yeah. So, <laughs> So I'm trying to get people diverse guests and then also it's like I'm too much of an idiot to get like intellectuals on, but I would mm-hmm. like to try to delve into that more. Yeah, I you know, there's a couple times where we've had some pretty serious guys on and we totally shit the bunk, you know, oh, because <laughs> Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we, we were like so naive and like no oh, experience God. and like, you know, when you don't do your homework on an episode and you have somebody come on and like you think it's like, oh yeah, we can fake our way through this and it's like, no, you can't. Case <laughs> the, you know, season 1, the first scrub show we ever did. Or should I say that I did because he yes. bailed on me and I had no idea what the hell a scrub python was. <laughs> I murdered that show. I took it out back and I shot it dead. <laughs> worst goddamn show ever. Joe, if you want to laugh, can't bring it listen back. to that show. Listen to that yep. show. Uh, it's so weird. Owen's like, I'll never get them. I hate them. Oh, I, I still do for many reasons. Yeah. God damn. 
So I know this is like asking what's your favorite kid, but did you have a favorite episode? Yeah. Um, honestly, I I don't want to. I yeah yeah I have uh, probably my my two favorites. And sorry for everyone else, you're all awesome. But um, my two favorites just were Ray Morgan, mm-hmm. who yeah, um, that was a you good know one. him from the uh, Venom interviews. Mm-hmm. And that's one where it's like, I didn't know enough about Venomous, but, you know, I do do like a good amount of research before, but I still kind of inquire, maybe a little bit too simple of questions, but I learned a lot on it. So hopefully someone else did. And then our last one with Garrett was just fucking, uh, just in the middle of it, Garrett's like tearing up, Melissa's bawling, crying, and I'm mm-hmm. just sitting there trying to think of like the next question or what do we do? And like, but it was just, it was different from any other podcast I've ever done. Like I've never been a good enough interviewer to get out like someone's story. And luckily Garrett was like, super open and you guys ask all the basic questions. So it's like, mm-hmm. so we really dug deep. So if you guys haven't heard that one, I would listen to, you know, your two episodes with Garrett first, if you care about snake stuff. And then if you care about a guy who has just done the craziest shit ever. No kidding. He's lived in a truck for a year and a half with a mouse in a fucking birdcage as a pet and, and got deported from Jamaica and then goes to, like, Indonesia and in a typhoon and almost dies in Indonesia and just all this crazy stuff. Like, that was just... Yeah, yeah. So that was like, a good it's episode. easy for me when the subject matter is as interesting as Garrett's life has been. So that one is definitely, like, a top one for me. So I should, yeah. I should give you one-word answers when I'm on the podcast and just stare blankly into the camera? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I would agree, one. man. Those, uh, those, both those episodes were really good. I re- Garrett was probably my favorite one that you guys have done to date. Um because mm-hmm. it was just, it was just, um, I guess for me it was refreshing to hear about the person rather than the uh, the snakes. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, yeah. that was that was pretty awesome. So, and I think I'll drink, it takes a certain person because I've I've definitely tried to poke and prod into the personal lives of people, but mm-hmm. I mean, us snake people are generally at least like undersell our normal lives. They're like for whatever reason, aren't exactly as vocal as about our lives as per se talking about our snakes. So it's like, you know, it generally always goes back to snakes, but that one was, was really cool. Yeah. Cool. You don't have to answer this question, but I'm just curious. Do you have one that you're like, Oh, this was a disaster. Cause we the had horrible, maybe, like, what do you think? Owen? like maybe two, three, we, that we've had the one that I keep going back to is we again it was like I think it was season one or two where we're gonna we painted this guy as being like a white lip expert from like 
England, and he gets on, and the most white lip experience he has, he has one, and he gave us a story for, like, ten minutes of how long it farted one time, and I'm like, what? Like, I'm texting you, what <laughs> the hell is this? So that was, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. um, But, uh, and we, we've had, you know, guests that we thought were going to be, you know, knock it out of the park and either are nervous about getting on here or not very talkative or don't have the stories. And we have ones that I think it's going to be one of those shows where we're just going to putter through and, you know, get to our offshoot. And then we end up going into overtime plus four because we're laughing and sharing stories and I'm like crying. I'm laughing so hard. So yeah, you know, we've had those. Yeah. You never know who you're going to have like a legit connection with. And you could do that through podcasts. Like, you could do that through, obviously, when else are you talking to someone for two straight hours without someone checking their Instagram or scrolling through Facebook? No, I'm doing yeah. it right like, now. But, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Owen. Oh, damn it. On, no, all right, anyway. But, I thought I had a point. Um, yeah, no, you're good. I'm just – but you're right. It's You, you can connect on the, this kind of thing of just hanging out. I mean, it's kind of why Carpet Fest even exploded because – we realized we all wanted to hang out, but we were too busy trying to sell snakes and shows. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah. given me an opportunity to, you know, network with people that I don't deserve to talk to. You know, like, <laughs> the, most of these people shouldn't ever give me the time of day, but I asked them to be on my podcast, and they're cool about it. So, you know, it's a great way to network as far as, when I started the podcast, I've been in the reptile hobby. Like, I've been to Tinley. I did all that stuff, but I never really talked to anyone. I just never thought I knew enough, which is true, but mm. I, I never had enough knowledge to, like, join in on the conversation or get in, you know? So the podcast has given me this opportunity to, A, learn about species and stuff that I don't know about, and B, just talk to badass people now yeah with your with your podcast do you find that people are like more either reluctant because it's a video podcast or do they just kind of seems like they're all about it and all good one million times yes they fucking hate the video aspect uh, <laughs> if you've seen if you've seen Howard's um, Howard pretty much put the camera on a binder clip on a binder for, for like 20 minutes. about two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Which you guys did fantastic of just rolling with that. Cause I would have been like, Howard, what are you doing? And just like made him point the camera at himself or at least an animal or something. So you guys just kept rolling and I'm like, All right, well, that's good. So geez. yeah, it's like, it's also good having Evan there who can, talk enough himself and he knows Howard and like I didn't I haven't ever met Howard so uh, well. um, that definitely broke the ice and Howard's definitely a unique individual <laughs> that so, is the uh, perfect he, explanation for that good, good setup, he's like yeah. one of my favorite just human beings just because like our show is just so different and there's a curveball like at every angle it's like yeah it was right. great Yep. Classic. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I mean, do you, you know, let's, let's talk about a little bit about, you know, 
are you going to do this full time? Is that the ultimate goal of what you're, you're, you're shooting for? And like, you know, are, are you growing into business or, you know, how, what's your approach? Yeah, I think initially that was my goal, but my goal was never exactly to sell snakes for a living. Mm. It was always, I want to find a way to monetize the reptile hobby or, you know, media of the reptile hobby in order to make money so I never have to depend on selling snakes. Um, that's just not – I just always wanted to keep that, you know, moral – I never wanted to just see snakes as money. And at, at some point, if you're doing it full-time, you have to pay your bills, and, you know, there's stuff you got to do. And um, mm-hmm. I just don't know if I'd be willing to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why I really went heavy on – like social media and stuff like that. And um, so I thought that maybe I would become like a big YouTuber or something, but obviously I'm not willing to do those things either mm. that make you big on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, same with what everywhere were those else. <laughs> yeah, no comment. But <laughs> my olive python attacked me, um, but mm-hmm. I was just never... And plus, I also don't want to pander to children. Like, yeah. uh, that's what YouTube is. At a certain point, you start acting like a child, start talking like a child because your videos are for children. And I was never really into that surface level, you know, act per se. Because, like, I like talking about snakes with guys like you guys. I like educating people about snakes, but, like, <laughs> I would much rather have deep conversations over like a podcast on different Moralia or rare species or Bowens, you know, cool stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, so that's a real, I keep on rambling off the question, uh, but I'll actually no, answer man, the you're question. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Again, this is what we want. Ramble. God damn it. So yeah. it's, you can't see me. Yeah, I'm like just walking circles in my living room. Like I can't stand still. So I've been walking this whole time just in circles. So if well, I get too drunk and you hear me fall, then I just got dizzy. Or no, something. then it's the best. Then it's the best episode ever. So yeah, like, <laughs> Joe, Joe, are you there? Like you know, that's what's what we want. So no, it's fine. But um, <laughs> um shit, shit. I told you I was gonna answer it. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> but uh, so what ended up happening is that people saw my videos and um, I made a free video for Andy Hine of Southern Reptile Supply. And mm-hmm. then off of that video, I had a guy local here in Dallas say, Hey man, I'll pay you to do a video. Um, I went to his place and I told him this obscene number that I didn't think anyone would be willing to pay me. And then he randomly paid me it to make him a video. And then I was like, Oh shit. Like that was easy. Let's keep on doing that. So that's what I, um, at the time I was working in social media and then I transitioned into doing videography. So that's what I'm doing now, trying to build a videography business. And um, meanwhile, just having fun with the snakes. And so I, I was never um, hooked on doing reptiles full time, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to, you know, pivot to my opportunity and do my own thing, you know, like just being 
my own, um, you know, being an entrepreneur and owning my own business was always my goal no matter what. So mm-hmm. it's like I just took that opportunity and, you know, snakes gave me that opportunity. So, yeah, I'm happy about it. And all it is is a year and a half of dragging your face through the mud, making videos that no one sees, podcasts that no one listens to, Instagram posts <laughs> that no one likes. Just, you know, a year and a half of doing that and then someone telling you that you suck at keeping snakes. And, um, yeah. And then there yeah, you are. That's nice. yep. <laughs> how, do you, how do you find the YouTube world? Like, what's your feeling on, like, uh, the reptile world inside of YouTube? So there's, like, a, a Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes everything's gravy. It's all good. Like, the comments and everything is, like, 99% positive. Mm-hmm. And then that one insidious fucking comment about something that truly makes you upset and, like, something that, you know, because people go, like, to the point to where, you know, you don't care about your snakes, you don't know what you're doing, you're all this other stuff that makes you be like, oh, yeah, that nine-year-old on YouTube's correct. Like, I'm a piece of shit. What am I doing? I should never right. get out a video ever again. And right. So it's like you can easily get sucked into that, and I have, and then you recognize it's like, okay, like I need to put something else out, and like, there's like so many positive people out there. And then mm-hmm. you also get that negative person that will also look at the successful YouTubers and be like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like, why, why don't they like me? Like, <laughs> right. I like have cool snakes and I do fun stuff. Like, and I'm putting information out there, but they like this like 18 year old pretty girl and it's like, I can never be that. But those are all, at the end of the day, just, you know, excuses. And you got to stop looking at other people and just kind of do your own thing, which is super hard to do. And you get, I get sucked off course sometimes. But, like, mm-hmm. it's something to be mindful of. And I'm sure you guys have felt that even through just the podcast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like uh... – I don't know. For for me, the podcast is pretty much all. I think there's been one person that, and Rob Stone and Owen, you know who this person is, and I'm not going to say who it is, but for whatever reason, they just like the fact that they like it was the first time that they trashed us, and it was just. I thought the person was a friend, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought that they yeah. would have came to me and talked to me one on one. I guess because that's what I would have done. And like, I don't know, just that like really, it still bothers me. And it's just like, wow, you know, like I can't believe like of the, you know, 300 plus episodes, one time we shit the bunk and all of a sudden we suck. You know know what I mean? And it's like, and I think what bothers me is not so much as they think that they think the show sucks and those breeders are coming on or keepers or whoever's coming on and they're sharing their information and basically they're saying they suck, you know, and that just, it just bothers, I don't know, just bothered me. But, um, YouTube was a whole different thing, man. Like I was not prepared for the negativity of YouTube. I just well, was not prepared just for that really at all, popular man. popular on the platform. I'm <laughs> popular everywhere. <laughs> 
I, you know, God, damn, man, I was just like not prepared for that at all. And then like, you know, I watch some of these videos on YouTube and I hear them talking and it's like, you know, sometimes they're right and sometimes they're just wrong. And you're just like, how is this person? I, I just, I don't know, man. It just boggles my mind, you know? And then I hear, you know, I don't know, maybe you can re- re- relate to this, Joe. I hear constantly how people are saying that they don't want to get involved in the drama yet on there they talk about this drama right and somehow that when they're talking about it it's not drama but if i talk about it or owen talks about it or you talk about it then all of a sudden it is drama you know it just doesn't make sense to me it's not consistent you know i don't know yeah i think that was I mean, that was where the not drinking as many beers comes in because like mm-hmm. it would end up the drama. But um, like there was one time where there was someone who started on YouTube, like similar time as me. And I saw them growing and stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then like, haven't really watched any of their videos. And then mm-hmm. they make a green tree boa video. And then I was mm-hmm. about to fucking throw up all over the place. And like, what is going on? Like, and then now they're like, so far ahead of me, dude. And it's like, but you don't even know what that is. <laughs> right. What? what? Yeah. Like, you know, like, there's no one out there curating that and being like, hey, this person's wrong. You know, there's no one out there to tell you that. So I have that person's people telling me I'm wrong, and I may be wrong, but I know the name of the snake and stuff like that. So it, it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing that, that like, like kind of like stop me in my track and not that I'm not going to do, cause I do have videos lined up and it's just, it's really a time thing now, you know, of just getting them edited mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's just like anything, like what, if you're going to do it consistently, then make the commitment and do it consistently, you know, but to me, NPR is my, that's, that's the main objective. Everything else is kind of like, you know, NPR and my breeding, my snakes are my main objective. Everything else is just kind of extra. Right. And like, Icing. I made this video of how I set up babies because I'm trying to look at what is out there in YouTube and like, look for what's missing, you know? And like, you'll see a lot of people talk about ball Python setups and, you know, you'll see all these different, you know, more mainstream type of species, but there's nobody really talking about how they set up baby carpets. Right. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, you know, I'll show this. So I'm showing um, those uh, 3D branches that David Brom made. Right. And I do this yeah. thing where I noticed, that, you know, I used to use toilet paper rolls because I just wanted something that I could toss for a hide. And I think with carpets, the hide is the most important part for the babies. You know, some people will say, you know, being perched up, whatever. I'm not here to debate with you whether or not that that works for you. I'm just here to tell you what works for me. And if you care about what I do, then, you know, you take the advice and you move along. Like, I I can't tell you how many, and I'm sure Joe and Owen, you've done the same thing. You watched a video. You're like, huh, that's a pretty cool tip. You know, I wonder if I could uh, incorporate into that to what I do. But I have this person. And again, you go back. It's probably some nine-year-old kid or something. And they're telling me about how my tannin bar scrub is an olive python. (laughs) And I'm just like, I love that. And I'm like, are you fucking are you kidding serious? me? And, and then I'm yeah. like, am I going to waste three hours of my day, you know, arguing with this person about whether or not a tannin bar is an olive python? 
So he's calling me a moron because he's like the snake can't get into the into the the uh, paper towel because I use a paper towel. The idea is is that the snake can now thermoregulate inside the hide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I found mm-hmm. like when I use hides that you know it's to the back. You know those little like plastic boxes. It's on the heat and the snake can't get off the heat and it has to choose on whether it wants to be hidden or does it want to be hot you know and so i was like well why don't i just use the whole thing well they cram in there but snakes like to be crammed into shit that's like mm-hmm. what makes them happy right. you know and you know i'm just like man i i don't know if i can deal with with this kind of thing and then i was talking to zach about it and he's like he's like come on man that's youtube 101 turn the comments off <laughs> you know and i'm yeah. like uh, well, yeah, i'm gonna go like those are people who haven't been out in the field to look for snakes. Like I am here in the city of Dallas and I mm-hmm. go to some random tire that's located ex- right next to a hobo shit and lift it up. And there's like 10 snakes loving this dirty, disgusting, litter filled, small, nasty space, you know, like, yep, right. They they don't understand maybe because they haven't been exposed to you know field herping and I think that's why that stuff's important to give you a different point of view of what these snakes are actually doing in the wild. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm going to Australia. You know because I don't want to hear secondhand from somebody else what it's like to be in Diamond Python territory. You know, I want to be there myself. I want to see what the temperatures are like. I want to see what the environment's like. When I flip over something and there's a diamond python, then, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be on somebody's fence, you know, <laughs> whatever. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, but the whole idea is, is that I want to really get a feel for, like, how hot does it get? How cold does it get? Like, you know, I hear, like, uh, you know, I love, like, Dan's videos. I think he does an excellent job, and he seems yeah. to be, like, the guy that, I look up to in the YouTube world because he's he's not drama. He just gets on. He tells what he does, and he never gets sucked into it. And I'm like, man, if, yeah. if I could just stay on course like that, you know. But, like, watching right. his videos where he's going to these places and he's finding, like, you'll hear these people argue about green trees, and they'll tell you that it has to be this and has to be that. And then you go see him in the wild, and it's like, ah, maybe you were wrong, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But nobody wants to admit that they've ever been or near wrong. And anybody who's sitting kind of is the kind of person who refuses to realize that there's a lot of different ways to do this kind of stuff. So Holy shit, man. I've been wrong so many times. I can't tell oh, you. Oh, dear God. I mean, millions of times. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's right. never one way to, to do things. I mean, you always... Yeah. It's also the people, you know, there's no formula to this. It's like you said, it's whatever works for you. And, um, you know, there are people that have taught me a lot on YouTube. There's great YouTubers out there. There's, you know, Garrett, there's Dave Kaufman, there's Dan Mm -hmm. Mullary, there's, um, there's probably quite a few more, Brian Cusco. There's a bunch of cool guys who are like, you know, they know what they're talking about and they have good content. And I mean, I, you got to support those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and they're, and they're the ones that I subscribe to, you know, I mean, everybody that you just said is on my YouTube rotation, you know, and I watch your videos as well. And like, 
you know, but then every once in a while you see this one, you're like, oh man, maybe I'll give it a chance because somebody else is talking about it. And you're like, you're like, what the hell are these guys talking about? Like, I think, I don't know. You made me, <laughs> last Carpet Fest, I got to your house early and you were like, I got to take a shower here, watch this YouTube um, like video. And you put it on your TV, and I think your wife came out because I was, like, screaming at the top of my lungs, like, wrong, that's wrong, everything you just said is wrong. So, yeah, like, you know, there's – I don't watch them because then I get too too upset. So, Eric likes it's to – It's probably one me. of mine. Maybe. Yeah, you know, I probably <laughs> would. Nah, nah. No, nah. Joe, it's not right. Nah. It's like, yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't. <laughs> So do you, so I think you kind of already answered this, but so do you see yourself like moving in, like trying to build up that YouTube to where you can get money from it? Or is it just something you do just for yourself to document what's going on or you do it for fun or? Yeah. Um, I do, I do want to grow, but that's not <laughs> exactly to make money because it's so negligible and like, <laughs> you have to get to such an extreme level in order to really Uh make money. So it's like now I've kind of moved um, literally my, I've never made a new year's resolution or anything, but I made Mm -hmm. it this year and I was like, Hey, everything that I'm going to do, I'm going to give back to the hobby and like support the people that I totally believe in because there's too many people out there that, aren't legit or aren't the real deal. And like, so that's why I started making kind of like mini documentaries, like the one I made on Austin or Andy Hines. That was excellent. Um, I appreciate it. I, I don't that, give a shit like about being in the videos at all. Right. Like that's the whole thing. Like people think that it'd be on YouTube. Like you want to be famous or something. Don't care. I would much rather, um, you know, tell often story, which is super helpful. You know, that could help so many people like, and what sucks is that the algorithm didn't pick that up because there's no bullshit. You know, there's, there's nothing for them to pick up as far mm-hmm. as like uh, flashy headlines or titles or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, that's the one that took me the longest to edit. That's probably my favorite video. Austin's one of my favorite people, you know, like, so it was a win-win just me hanging out with Austin and we made a video out of it. And now like, I, I just want to make better content that supports the right people and puts attention to where, you know, people may not know about, you know, bread lie or pop wins or, you know, all the stuff he's working with. So I mm-hmm. just make it a point now to highlight the hobby more than myself. I couldn't agree more with you. Like, you know, when you, when I originally started doing videos, it was like, I was just focusing on the snake and wouldn't even put it on me. And then it got nowhere. And then like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I'll put a video, a quick beginning of me. You know what I mean? And then it was like, okay, well that gained a And I guess there's a certain amount of, you know, they hear you on the, on the podcast and they want to know what you look like. I remember like back when I heard Nick Mutton on reptile radio and knowing like, I wonder what that guy looks like. And he was nothing like what I pictured. I was he way was like, no, no. <laughs> At least not the first but that was when he was heavy back then. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, God. 
and he was like really a big guy and i'm like now he can bench press me you know that's like you know that's (laughs) dear lord nothing like but you know people like people so Mm -hmm. in order to make a video unfortunately you know in order to get people to watch you need people in the video and um it's just trying to find a way that people and animals makes it a positive interaction that is a positive outcome for the animals. Like, who gives a shit about, like, the fame or the views that you get as long as you're making a positive impact on how people view the animals or care for the animals? Um, right. I don't see Absolutely. why there's any benefit in making an animal bite you or being like this snake's aggressive and stuff like there's just there's no positive outcome you put your animal in danger you yeah. put yourself in danger depending on what animal it is and you're putting your kind of um building up the stigma even more you know that people think about snakes yeah absolutely 100 percent yeah, you know, I really uh I I kind of forgot about that video you did with Austin and it was like uh you know, I I I like that guy a lot too. He's um you know, when I met him down at the first Southern Carpet Fest, it was like uh what a cool guy, man. He's just like I don't know. Yeah. He's 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 just a really he's a really good guy to talk to and like you know, he seems like he's, and you would know this better than me because you've probably been to his place and all, but he seems like he's really dialed into each and every individual animal. Right. Am I, am I right? Yeah, and he like, and he has no worries about what's the outcome of his pairings, of his, you know, of his breedings, even of his babies. He has all of his babies from like two years ago. He has most of the fucking face because he's just like, yeah, I'll just keep this, I'll keep this, I'll keep this. <laughs> and those this are like, mine. Sounds like Eric. Yeah, this is yeah. mine. This yeah. is mine. Yeah. So, you know, like his mind is coming from a similar place to where, you know, we've had enough conversations. I mean, we were there two weeks ago. Me and mm-hmm. Melissa both threw up like we were freshmen in high school. Like, we got so drunk, we were playing with snakes, we were having a good time, and it's like, you really get to know someone when we're shit-faced talking about snakes, and he's like, you know, he doesn't care any, anything about, you know, the business aspect or anything, or he just wants mm-hmm. to make cool snakes, keep cool snakes, and he acts like he doesn't know what he's doing, but he bred the bread lie, you know, he bred, like, the youngest male bread lie that... I know of at least the breed and mm-hmm. yeah. looks like he may breed Brisbane's. I don't know if he puts that out there. I don't know if I spilled any beans or anything. Well, you're spilling um, yeah, beans. Just... That's a dangerous thing to do. All right. <laughs> so Owen knows who to call this year. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just uh good people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, now you said you, you, you were kind of making movies for other breeders and stuff like that? They were, like, hiring you to do videos of their stuff? I mean... Oh, that no, something... that um, that came from, like, a different industry. Um, okay. I learned pretty quickly that snake people don't spend any money on anything oh, right. other yeah. than snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess myself included. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, like, my first customer was a friend of a friend who had, like, a granite company. And he's like, hey, you make videos about snakes. Why don't you uh, 
shoot the process of how we manufacture granite. Then I was like, I'm going to figure this out. Fuck it. <laughs> and, yeah, so I do normal, normal people videos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's be like, you know, should we – I'm like, I'm like are you, you're, you're coming up our way soon. I mean, does this mean we have a – Backdoor videographer, like you know, that we can tap into for like I don't know, filming stuff, <laughs> like Eric's collection, I mean, my collection. So, at at some point, I Excellent. don't want to, like I don't want to talk about myself. So if you guys have cool things going on, which are probably a lot cooler than what I have going on, then we'll do it because I need content, and <laughs> like, yeah, it'd just be a fun video, you know. Cool. Hell yeah. Well. You'll be up this way soon, but uh, unfortunately not soon enough for Carpet Fest, right? Yeah. I don't know. There um, was talk. There was there talk? Was talk no? I don't know, man. There was yeah. talk on the show. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it will be rough. But okay. <laughs> um, we did, we, did uh, we haven't even secured a place yet. So we are hopefully about to get this place. Um, very, very soon, and it has three rooms, so I might be going a little Eric Burke style and <laughs> making multiple hot room, cool room and shit, so, <laughs> and, it, and it has a basement, dude. Oh, oh shit. Oh, you're done, you're done now. You I don't mean, know what they are in Texas, right? <laughs> I hope, and I hope that Melissa's not listening. Oh, it's, she probably is right now, but anyway, the... The other thing is that when you get up here, you have the White Plains Reptile Show, you have the Hamburg Reptile Show, you have the Havre Grace Reptile Show. You've got you got to get acquainted with all the shows in the area too that have you know helped bleed my collection into whatever the hell it is now downstairs. So yeah, gonna yeah you might need three rooms. Yeah, yeah. If I didn't have someone telling me no, I would have copperheads for sure, <laughs> which is certainly a possibility up there. It, oh yeah, copper copperhead rules are weird because it's a native species. So it's like I think it's like you can only have one copperhead per person living in the house. So you can have two. Well, I'm gonna have to procreate and uh, yeah. just have more copperheads. Then the babies count. Hey, they say person in the house, so you know if that's what you got to do to get copperheads. I have a dog. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, whatever. It's okay. That's ridiculous, actually. That kind of makes no sense. But, okay. <laughs> Interesting laws. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what kind of backwards? Zero other laws, though. So you can't have sugar gliders. So uh, you can't have darn. sugar gliders or hedgehogs. So other than what that, will my olive python eat? <laughs> you want a king cobra we can get you one so you know yeah. that's fine you could have a tiger yeah, <laughs> black yeah, bear cougar sugar glider no way no, no. sir <laughs> well you you know that there's there's more tigers here in texas than there are in the wild that yeah. makes a lot of sense yeah I, that, <laughs> I, I i agree with that i mean that's a that rogan was, fact. i'm not surprised yeah. yeah rogan throws that out there all the time like you know, uh, but uh, all right, cool. Um, I don't know, man. So what's your? I don't know. Let's maybe talk a little bit about like your thoughts on the reptile industry. Like, do you see? Well, how do you see the future going? The are you are you excited about the future of the reptile industry, or is it what? I 
there's a weird thing when you're at least like feedback from YouTube and stuff like that. Cause I don't really go on uh, Facebook groups or anything. Um, mm-hmm. That's just too much work and then too many weeds and you just get frustrated and uh, too many people answering questions that you've never heard of. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But mm-hmm. um, I catch the drift that like the younger generation coming in is, not cool with keeping animals in tubs. Um, yeah. They like bioactive enclosures. They like large enclosures, which I like. I totally understand. Um, if I could have three foot enclosures for every one of my corn snakes, like I totally would, because I don't think we're doing them justice um, and letting them display like their arboreal nature and their. Pro- a lot cooler than we give them credit for in tubs. Mm-hmm. But, um, and keep in mind, I keep absolutely everything that I have in tubs. All I have in a display cage is my green tree. So in no way do I frown upon keeping in tubs. But mm-hmm. I see that younger people in particular frown towards that. So I'm thinking that maybe the hobby will go in that direction. And um, I see the masses, you know, looking towards bioactive enclosures, they're also into a lot rarer shit, which is awesome. Like the reptile industry in general, now that ball pythons, the market matured and people don't have the dream of getting rich. I'm sure it still happens, but it's dampered a lot, at least since Mm -hmm. I've been in the hobby. Mm -hmm. And um, it looks like, you know, people are getting back into the things that we almost lost. So it's yeah. like, I think you guys have played a role in getting people interested in shit that no one cared about five years ago. You know, like Brandon Wheeler, we were talking about last night. He sold his scrubs for like, he could barely sell them for like $75 or something. Or Matt right. was. And I was like, holy fuck. Like how yeah. time has changed just by like you guys highlighting these species. And um, that's what I would love to do for a lot of our North American colubrids are super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like a Western green rat snake. We have a fucking green rat snake here. Like, I don't know. It's amazing. And um, yeah. even things like Thayeri and gray bands and all the really, really cool Baja rat snakes. Um, mm-hmm. I even like, I like black rat snakes. I like, all that shit, even fucking Eastern king snakes, you know, your common king snake, I just find them all amazing. So it's like, I want to be able to highlight things like this the same way you have highlighted the things that you guys like. So it's like, I'm still trying to find ways to do that and get people on that, you know, we can highlight some of these things, but um, it's, I guess it's a start. Yeah. So here's a question. So, you know, one of the things that drives my keeping and, and, you know, whether it's with carpets, it can even be crosses. It doesn't even matter, but just like kind of preserving that line or that bloodline, it, it does the same thing follow with colubrids. Like, I mean, do you see like, because there's so many corn snake morphs or whatever that people are crossing things that they shouldn't be. And somehow things get lost. Does, does that happen as oh, well? We're fine. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Colubrids. <laughs> Um, because 
just by the nature of how mature the market is, how long people have been breeding colubrids, um, mm-hmm. corn snakes, I could never say that any of my corn snakes are pure. Um, back yeah. in the day, we didn't see any problem with breeding emeries to corn, no problem with breeding um, any type of rat snake to a corn. Um, yeah. And I've been told that pure corns lay round eggs and hybrid corns lay oblong eggs. And okay. um, oh, crap. <laughs> I, have, I have exactly one corn snake that lays round eggs. And it's an old as fuck female that is now retired. So I don't, I don't know if that's fact. You know, I don't know if it's 100% like that they're definitely crosses if they're oblong. But mm-hmm. um, that's what I've heard. I don't care. I, I kind of threw my purest hat out of the ring as far as corn snake goes because um, you just got to acknowledge that um, the damage is kind of done. And plus, we live in North America where all these snakes are from. Um, it's not hard to find a corn snake. It's different if you're talking about Australian pythons. You know, mm-hmm. that's a closed door per se with a few holes in it. Right. But <laughs> like you can't ever say, Hey, this is a North Carolina corn. You know, you can't say this is from Queensland or wherever for a jungle. It's, um, it's something that you can't get back as easily as I could get back. Um, you know, I have an emery that I got from, from Tony from Selective Scale. And he mm-hmm. found it in his driveway. It's uh, Tony's driveway locality. And I know it's an memory <laughs> rat because, right. uh, you know. Right. So, so there's those things that allow us uh, the ability to get fresh blood, which mm-hmm. you guys don't have the pleasure of doing in the Moralia world for the most part. Right. Yeah, it's very difficult for sure. Orly. Okay. So. so is it the same <laughs> battle between the people that are just making morphs and crossing this to that as, uh, you know, people that keep it pure, that like kind of a even split or does one side, I guess the morphs are probably more popular than, than the pure. Yeah. Um, most people dabble in both. Like if they're, if they have locality stuff, they dabble in both because, you know, they're doing a pure fun because you're going to sell, uh, you know, certain locality of Alabama corn for 25 bucks. So mm-hmm. you've got to really be into that. Um, but there's, there's no one really that I know of who's like, don't cross this because it's kind of a lost cause. And there's enough animals out there for everyone to work with, you know, whatever they want to work with. So um, I don't see that. And also the Colubrid community is like we're severely lacking in getting new people into it, um, which is why like I want to highlight it more and more because what I find usually is like a 60-year-old guy in his basement that never is on Facebook and stuff like that, and he doesn't really talk to anyone, and you may see him randomly at a show, and like you don't even know that he has all these crazy snakes, and it's like uh, – you see a lot more old school herpers in the colubrid community and um, not exactly people who are upfront on social media. So um, mm-hmm. it's definitely an issue. Okay. 
Cool. Um, I'm just curious of, uh, so <laughs> we, I want to, Owen's going to talk a little bit about like, you know, how you set things up and breeding and stuff like that. But before we did that, I wanted to, I know that you talk about this a lot on your show and I'm just curious if it makes you mad or whatever, because it seems like it does, but coastals and jungles being the same thing. Does it? Oh my God. Like, you well, know that. Him, like, dude. Well, know that there's always a level of sarcasm between my anger, you know, like, right. Oh yeah. 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 I, <laughs> but, but I see a black and yellow snake that's, half the size of this giant fucking tan, tan and black snake. Hey, man, you can't convince me that that's the same thing to a certain extent. <laughs> I say, hey, so why don't you just keep those separate because that yellow and black snake is not making a good-looking snake with that tan snake. You just get a mediocre <laughs> snake. Just why would you do that? I just don't understand. But if you're talking about taxonomy, uh, say whatever you will. I don't know. I didn't do the genetic testing. I'm an idiot. I'm certainly not a scientist, but uh, from my eye, they're different things. And I think we should respect that. And uh, I think people got mad at me last night because I was like, we were talking about gelatins and Palmerston jungles or whatever. And I was like, Mm -hmm. man, those are just fucking shitty jungles. And people probably, (laughs) (laughs) people are going to hate that too. You haven't even – have you seen them in well, person? So, I, all right. Uh, it's, it's exotic enough to look like a coastal, the gelatin. That's what I think. But I'm an idiot. I don't know. I, yeah. Well, they are – they do look exotic a little bit. They're, they're like – they're kind of like inlands in a way that they're hard to capture in a picture, right? But I think the thing – the thing that I want to make sure that everybody understands when it comes to the to the jungle coastal thing is like I think people think as a whole that jungles and coastals are the same thing. But when you read in the book and you know talking to Nick and Justin about this over and over again, it's the and any jungle or coastal that are north of the Black Mountain corridor are more closely mm-hmm. related than a jungle is from the north to a jungle from the south. Does that, did I say wow. that right? Does that make sense? So, like, if you have a, a northern jungle and a northern coastal, they're more closely related. And if you ever saw, like, wild pictures of them, you can see why you would think that wild way. Wild jungles look but, like coastals. They, coastals. Well, pretty. I would yeah. imagine you think that there's anything stopping them from integrating. No, no, point? nothing. Not a goddamn jungles thing. Jungles basically showed up. I mean, the the thinking is is that jungles really showed up because you know they, that environment, it you know expanded, and you know when you have a a rainforest type of area, they look like a jungle carpet. When it the jungle mm-hmm. the rainforest shrinks down, then they become a coastal Coastals. carpet. But that's why the southern coastals, like uh, you know, are so much bigger, and a lot of what Which you see. Different in our hobby is all Northern stuff. So that's why they stay small. So that's mm. really the, the difference between the two. So, you know, I don't know. I'm with you though. Like, I think that really it comes down to locality thing. You know, I think that, mm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. And this is why I wanted to ask you this question because I'm not really that versed when it comes to corn snakes and rat snakes and stuff like that. But for me, it seems like there's a lot of similarity between 
those and carpets, you know, like yeah. carpets are the corn snake of Australia. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, <laughs> like they cross in certain areas where you think they don't integrate with each other and there you go, they're integrating and it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we don't have that figured out. <laughs> you know? Dude, I don't it's know. so similar because a taxonomy changes all the time and they'll fuck your life up real quick. Yeah. And and B is that people have been breeding them and integrating them and all that different stuff. I mean, it's so closely related to to carpet pythons. And um I just there's there's a few things that have become um like one of my favorite rat snakes is the Slowinski's corn snake. And mm-hmm. um the Slovenski's corn snake was thought to be a product of the every rat snake breeding with a corn snake because there on the Louisiana-Texas border, which there may be some corn snakes in Louisiana, and then also there's emery's there. So they thought, hey, this one looks a little bit different, but it's definitely an integrate. Well, genetic testing in like 1998, maybe it wasn't like DNA. I don't know how the fuck they did it, but... Um, they basically named this species in the late 90s or early 2000s to where, um, you know, we thought forever it was an integrate, and then that changed. And um, I'm sure there's plenty more of that stuff to come, whether it be carpets or or, uh, corn snakes, rat snakes. Yeah, I think the other debate is, um, you know, people talk about, Oh man! Uh, now it's all of a sudden the debate is whether or not we call them poplin carpet pythons or Erie and Jaya carpet pythons. Regardless, it guinea. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no one cares. However, they're more closely related to the coastal carpet of the Cape York than they are to Darwin's, even though they look more closely related to Darwin carp. Like, and I guess until you see a Darwin with an IJ, uh, you can see that they're very different. Very, yeah. very different. I'm just around too many people that keep poplin pythons to call it that. You know, it, I'll just confuse the yeah. fuck out of myself. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Tony I'm with and you, Austin man. have poplins, so it's like we're, when we talk about poplins, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about IJ. So I don't know. You know, at some point I'm a, I keep it old school and just stick with that name. And for certain things, I'm snobby about changing it. I don't know. I'm an idiot and I'm hypocritical. <laughs> I, I, I've been I'm in it too long. I'm a giant hypocrite. My J's. Yeah, I'm done. So. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I, I get it. You know, we call them IJs, they're here in Jaya's, whatever. And we've called them that forever. But, like, that's, a, like, a major focus for me as far as, like, uh, a lot of my selective breeding is to take – that species to the level of what you see in jungles. Right. Um, and you know, it's just a matter of like, okay, well let's try to get it right. I relate it to this. It's like the incomplete dominant thing. We've said it, mm-hmm. we said it wrong. It's wrong. Like if you talk to someone, like I would yeah. never forget there was this guy I worked with and he was a geneticist. And I started talking to him about like, you know, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to talk genes with this guy. And, you know, we're going to go on and on and, uh, you know, uh, uh, about, uh, you know, genetics. And I'm going to show him how smart I am. And I say to him, like, uh, incomplete dominant. And he's looking at me like I'm a moron, you know, or no, I mean, co-dominant. And he's looking at me like I'm an idiot, you know, and I'm like, 
He's like, that's not co-dominant. And I'm like, don't tell me. This is what it's like in the snake world, man. You know? And he's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so, like, you know, and and we refuse to change. And, like, some people have changed it. You know, some people, it's like a slow, gradual thing. But it's so embedded in the hobby. Just because it's it's embedded, does it mean it's right? You know what right. I mean? Yeah, that's like, something that I yeah. take to a snob level myself. But I don't take the IJ thing to the snob level. I don't know why. Hmm. Well, just... probably because people like <laughs> what I've noticed is that people that are invested in it are like, okay, well, we're going to change this. And then people that really don't have one way or the other that they care, they're like, right. well, now it's going to get confusing for me because now it's pop one. You know what I mean? And I get it, man. I totally understand it. But oh, I wait. I got a, a message from Brandon. He says, our IJs, yeah. what are their scientific names? Well, at this point, they're a subspecies and they're Harrisoni. I mean, I know that people don't want to say that because it's political. And I think you guys talked about it on the show last night to where, because uh, we don't say his name, uh, mentioned it. Not three times. You can't say it three times. You know, that's, yeah, that's all. But if you, you know, say it I three guess times, what, does all of Morelia get split up again, or what happens? Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there goes from like eight carpet pythons to fifteen. <laughs> yeah, and everything goes, and everything goes back into liasis after that. All right. the other stuff. So. And I don't have any room in my brain to keep all these names. Exactly. Yeah. So fun. let's yeah. let's not tempt the fate here. But I, I mean, I get why, you know, like, I guess I understand maybe to a certain extent why the Barkers, you know, chose to go the route that they did, you know, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. And I don't know if this falls into colubrids, but like when the work hasn't been done, um, it makes it difficult to, you know, I think scrub pythons are another example of a complex of snakes that, if we're not careful and people, uh, most of the people that are breeding scrubs are, are pretty responsible about this, but it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense to me that you would have a Northern chondro and a Southern chondro and they're separate species and everything that's on the North of the mountain is a separate species, whether it's a bird or a mammal or a reptile and anything right. that's to the South of that mountain, of is, mountain. is right. But for some reason, Nobody wants to think that about scrubs. It's just silly. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like, it's right, just yeah. simply Brandon because nobody's done the work. Last night. Right. Exactly. There's probably, well, I, I would think, say, go ahead. I think part of it, it's almost, at least with rat snakes here, you know, that's the most um, studied genus that we have because, mm-hmm. you know, the scientists are here. They're doing the studies on native species, the easiest one to do. And most of I think it's easy enough for someone to nitpick and say, hey, I can make a splash here. And maybe that's the same with Australians. I don't really know what the deal is. But it seems like people, taxonomists, are just, they're itching to, you know, make a splash in the, yeah. in the world, per se. Well, if, if they're itching, they should, take a, they should take a trip to Indonesia and work on the scrubs. Like, I mean, nobody's working on them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> itch away, man. You'll be a hero. <laughs> yeah, just the the size difference, the color, the pattern. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, there's like, what? You know, Daniel Natouche said that there's possibly five species of chondros, right? 
I think it's five. I think that's it. Five. I thought so, it was five. Was it five at ICAST, which is like they're getting ready to rip him in half? Yeah, and and you know, and and no, it's it's not. Uh, this is where see, this is where I get in trouble. To me, it's not that far to think that why you see all these crazy chondros is because they're hybrids. I mean, that's it. They look, they oh, look awesome. Now we've done it. That's yeah. where blue line comes from. Yep. Well, I'm just saying, I like, if you breed a carpet to a chondro, you get these like crazy looking snakes. If you breed like, you know, and if you breed that, you know, remember, oh, and wasn't it at the one carpet fest that somebody bred like a northern scrub to a southern scrub, and they were like the most wild looking scrub yep. pythons. Like they had like yep. wild patterns, and it was like, yep. Oh, it was that's when it like. Everything. It like yep. solidified in my brain. Like when you're breeding a different species to another species, you get crazy looking animals. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. And you see you, this? even if you've seen uh, Amazon basins versus the northern emeralds, and mm-hmm. you put yeah. it together, you get like this radioactive snake. And it's yeah. like maybe there is something to that. So maybe a jungle is a coastal because when you breed them together, you can just get a shitty snake. You don't get a fucking radioactive green lime fucking thing. Right. You just get (laughs) somewhere in between the two. (laughs) Even if you want to go down that route, it's like why we were talking about earlier with the hybridization of corn snakes. Why were they hybridized? Because when you bred a corn snake to a rat snake, you got something weird and funky looking that people wanted to buy. Right. So, you know, is it too far-fetched? Not at all. So. Dude, the craziest looking hybrid corn snake is the thing they breed to the king snake, and I'll never forget. Fucking I'm flipping through. I, I, yeah, I I'm flipping through. The Imperials, I think it's like that with a milk snake or something. It's a corn snake and milk snake or something like that. Or is that I don't know. I was flipping through snake. Cassie Love's book one time, and I'm like flipping Ugh. through the pages, and I'm like, wow, that is cool. What is that? And I'm like, son of a bitch, it's a hybrid. <laughs> Did you see the no. uh, carpet maclots that was posted up on King Snake a little bit ago? No. Okay. I choose, I will I choose not to look at that. Like <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist. Well, I no. went to. It was. I think they they were selling it. Uh, Nerd had it, and when I went up there with uh, Andrew the last time I was up at Nerd, I was like, you know, uh, I saw it, and I'm like, a mac. Oh dear lord! Because I didn't. It said maclots like X carpet. I'm like. Jungle Sweet lot. Mac Watson, then I just started screaming, like in their room. Yeah. So you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. But yeah. Hybrids are definitely around, and I'm not, know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bashing do it. It's, do whatever you want. Yeah. If right. they're your goddamn animals, if you want to breed them to each other, knock yourself out. Just you know, expect that some people are going to be like, oh, oh, like I hate it when they're like, I bred my you know retic to my rough scale. Why is everyone all pissed off? Well, dude, it's like. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's all it's, fun and games until you get drug into it. So it's like, oh, yeah. I work with, with Tessera corn snakes, and um, there's a group of people that, for some reason, when you breed, I forget which king snake it is, but uh, they tend to throw when you hybridize a corn snake and a king snake, um, whatever this particular uh, species is, tend to throw Tessera like patterns. So okay. someone decided that since that throws tessera-like patterns, the tessera corn snake is probably just a hybridized version of those two, and they're not a pure corn snake. 
And, I mean, mine look like corn snakes. They do everything like corn snakes. Heads look like corn snakes. But mm-hmm. some people are still going to tell me that they're a hybrid. And if, uh, can I argue with them? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so that's one of those things. Have you found that, like, because you're what? You're still in your 20s, right? Your late 20s? Have you found, like, um, that 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 uh, the younger generation is more accepting of that kind of thing or less accepting? Because I think you guys mentioned something, like, last night. I guess it was referring to carpets, but it just it, it is what it is. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. Brendan said that or some something along those lines. Is, do you find yeah, we, that we need we need both people, you know, we mm-hmm. need purists and we need more people. Right. Um, yeah. I agree. We need both of we need people working with Mac lots and we need people working with corn snake or morphs or ball python morphs. Um it's just the diversity, you know, so that we can attract different people or we can bounce things off of each other. It just I think it just appeals to, for whatever reason, you're a morph person or a purist, or maybe you dabble in both, but there's something about challenging yourself with uh, breeding a new species that is Mm -hmm. super uh, engaging to me. But Mm -hmm. also I still like breeding corn snakes and making different morphs. So it's like, I don't know. I like both, but there's some lines that I draw for no reason in particular. Yeah, isn't it funny how we all have those lines that we're like, nope, won't cross that line. Won't but cross that then, one. like, <laughs> you're like, you'll totally cross it with something else. You're like, <laughs> oh yeah, bread lie. Don't cross bread lie. That's a that's a bread. line you don't cross. Yeah, that's my yeah, line. That's the. <laughs> but it's like you see that bread lie, IJ jungle diamond, fucking beautiful. Oh, oh yeah, yeah the nope. scream stuff. Yeah, <sighs> but uh. Yeah, it's it's kind of like this is how I drew my line. Like di- diamonds and jungles and coastals have kind of already been mixed up, and to a certain extent, uh, you know, IJ's kind of got lumped into there too. Um, but you know, it can be argued that diamonds and jungles and coastals all integrate in the wild. You know, and I would understand mm-hmm. why you'd want it pure, you know, because or at least what we think is pure, you know, um, and I can understand why you would be driven, especially with carpets, because back in the day there was nothing. So what are you going to do? You know, you it's kind of like what happened with the with green trees. You know, you had these guys that got mm-hmm. in a bunch of green trees and they're just like they weren't looking at whether it was north and south or this one or that one. They're just like, well, I had this Boy one and I had this one. I'm putting yeah. them together and I'm calling it a day, you know, and it's like, wow, they bred. Right. Wow. Look, they're blue. They're red. They're, you know, all this crazy thing. So they just kept right. refining yeah. that. I mean, but you didn't know that stuff back then. And like, as we, as we grow in this hobby and we learn more and more and, you know, more, it's easier to do genetic testing and all this other stuff, then, you know, we're already lost, you know, that line or that bloodline or, you know, and now you can't get it back. You can't like breed out the the coastal in a jungle. You know, it's in there. Right. It, it is. You know, it's lost now. Um, and it, but, it somewhat bothers me. You know, when someone posts up pure jungle, and I say, uh, "Do you know that? 
for sure. Like, why don't you just say jungle of this line and this lineage and give us some proof of the lineage. But saying it's pure, you may not know that for sure. Like, why don't you just, I don't know. Yeah, well, that used to be my, ba- Owen will tell you, that used to be my argument to the, to the, especially with jungle breeders, you know, it would be like, they would be right. there and be like all anti-morph and how it's ruining the hobby and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but meanwhile, you're breeding a jungle that's a diamond cross. And somehow, because you don't know the lineage of it, you're just like, oh, well, it looks like a jungle. So it's a jungle. Like, how do you get mm-hmm. to just say that but yet somehow when i have lineage now you know because i'm crossing this somehow i'm i'm wrong like I, you know what i mean i don't know i just never understood that argument like it just didn't well me and brandon were talking about the fact that like at least my male jungle that i have is highlighter green like greenish yellow and black mm-hmm. um we were saying like i feel like the only coloration that gets that extreme is when diamonds put into it and and then yeah. lime bread to the point to that it's radioactive lime green. Even though mine, uh, one of the parents is from Nick Mutton, and the other one's hairline. I don't know where hairline goes. I haven't even looked into it. But, like, I don't know. Where do you get this, like, lime green highlighter snake? Yeah, hair, hair did do crosses, and he also did – just straight, well, what were thought to be straight jungle. So it really depends on what the pairing was that did it, you know? And, and right. you know, it, it could be, it could, but you're absolutely right. It's almost like, I look at that, it's like the cheating way of selective breeding. Like you just dose a little bit of diamond blood in there and boom, it doesn't matter what it is. It's going to look awesome. Beautiful. <laughs> it doesn't make yeah. a difference. So it's like pops, you know, that's why that brettle jag screamed, shines, because it's got right. diamond blood in it, you know? It's like... Right. Pop, you know, just but, a little enhancer for whatever it's put into. And I, is there something wrong with creating snakes that look good? No, no, not at all. I yeah. thought. <laughs> I I thought another thing that you guys hit on that you know we hit on a lot is the whole idea that you know um, you know you have this jag and it's worth you know Owen. Oh, what did you pay for your first jag? <laughs> um. Almost fifteen hundred dollars, right? And now they're like maybe what two hundred bucks? Fifty bucks, hundred fifty yeah. bucks. Is where I'm selling, <laughs> boy, like, I, I if I put jags at two hundred bucks, people would be like, "Is it two hundred shipped all the damn time?" So it's one hundred fifty bucks <laughs> plus shipping, which usually comes up to be a little bit over two hundred dollars for the whole thing. And then, yeah, that's that's where my jags and probably even a lot of my tiger jags end up going. So isn't that snake as cool as it was when we first looked at it? Like, why now is it worth less? Well, it's everybody's got it. So that's the thing is just everyone's got it. So, and also anybody who wants a Jag, there's always a table full of a flipper that's got it for 75 bucks. So why do I need to buy from you? Well, then we've already been, we've covered that in length through the six years of the program. But, (laughs) um, But like, dude, I posted up on my Instagram couple weeks ago i posted soundwave and soundwave i like him because he is like the cleanest tiger jag i've ever produced and i had pictures of tiger jags in college going like one day i'll get this animal and you know he's the quintessential tiger jag and i also like him because 
you know, he's Echo's kid who I produced, and he's Talon and Trinity's uh, grandkid, and I've had them since they were hatchlings and they were hiding underneath my bed in college. So just because the morph is older doesn't mean it's any less cool, but it just the price is it's supply and demand. It, we've had years and years and years worth of JAG. They're everywhere. And I'm not saying that at some point people are going to stop breeding JAGs or it's going to be hard to find your coastal jags because it very well could be at some point and then right maybe the jags will start climbing back up but for right now there's a ton of them does that same thing happen with morph corn snakes to where like you know a base morph is worth this and then you know a couple years from now people don't give a shit about it yeah what's great about corn snakes is that everything the ceiling has already fallen out uh, the market's mature Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mostly what's cool sells. So it's like I could have a really high quality snow and sell mm-hmm. it for a hundred dollars for when some other people have been producing snows for 30 years. And it's just, it's one of the best looking corn snakes. So mm-hmm. it's like, if you have a good, good looking snow, then you're set for the next, you know, 10 years and you're working that line, making it better and better you'll sell them for 100 to $150 all day. And uh, I just find that more fun because people have more, I find that people have more respect for the animal as far as um, the morph stuff um, on other animals. It's like, we talked a little bit about this with Brandon last night. It's like you get into something, the female gets to be a certain age and she doesn't have the genetics you want. You sell her the male. Forget the fucking male. You sell that bastard in like three years he's been shooting loads for two years but his genetics aren't worth anything anymore so you you know you sell them off to whoever and it moves along so i feel hello i'm right here oh do we lose joe no he's still there i can't hear him Oh no! Oh no! And we've just switched over to recording time. Nah, he's he's still there. He just I'm not hearing. No, him. but if he if he calls, holy he... shit! I just, oh there he Melissa is. just called oh, me, Jesus. and my phone like automatically merged with her. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> not now, damn it! Devil woman. <laughs> She's my used to that two-hour like, cutoff, right? To answer this. <laughs> ruining our, our show. Uh, <laughs> All right, where, where's sabotage? Sabotage. I, sabotage. I ranted for a good amount of time, and Melissa's like, you you know, "You're talking to me, right?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know that was a good rant. I was like, "What we happened?" Now? I'm waiting. Cliffhanger. Damn it. All right, so what was the question? Something about you were talking like, about more two idiots. Yeah, you were talking about the value of morphs and the and you passing know, it on to somebody else. Snakes kind of yeah. Talking about yeah, snow. So essentially, and... uh, you know, in a lot of the, the markets of morph snakes, you know, whether it's ball pythons, carpets, whatever, your mail becomes useless within three years or so. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to end up selling them. And as well as the females to an extent, you know, they stay valuable for longer. But if you're chasing the next biggest morph, they go away. And, um, Luckily, corn snakes, like the wholesale market, is just mm-hmm. crazy, dude. Like, there's so many people looking to broker um, 
like shipments out to Asia and stuff like that, that if anyone has the balls to do it and, you know, the time and effort, produce like 10,000 corn snakes a year and you have somewhere to take them. Like, you can sell that. I don't have the time and effort to do that. But uh, there's plenty of people that are doing it and there's still room in the market to do that. So it's like, shit, like this is one thing that even though they at wholesale maybe 30 bucks or something, you could sell 10,000 of them. um, 30 bucks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's an opportunity. I mean, it's the same opportunity. It's like Eugene Bissett. Um, You know, you're a farmer at that point. Um, I believe he wholesales corn snakes as well. But um, I realize that there's something there's something in common with a lot of the full-time breeders, even like Vin Russo wholesales corn snakes. He has like, like that his money to, I think, pay his bills. I don't know. I don't really know him, but <laughs> that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's plenty of people who build this base of wholesale because you know that they're going to sell. And then they work with other stuff on the side. So right. I think it's yeah. important to look, you know, if anyone's trying to do it full time, look at what, other people have done um forest fanning you know he is full-time because he breeds rodents he works with what he wants to and has fun with it but his base and what pays his bills is rodents because that is always a commodity there's never enough of them you never see anyone say like hey dude i got this freezer full of rodents i really need to get rid of them no because we Hmm. all need rodents right so it's like there's some short thing closing up at noon yeah yeah, like there's a, only a few sure things in the reptile hobby, and buying a $25,000 scaleless head ball python may not be that sure thing. Hmm. True. So, but that's my opinion. Oh, well, no, and that's 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 yeah. I love how you have to add that tag before people are like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, even though it's true. But yeah, it's just those are just our opinions. But that's um, an observation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I mean, like, so, and, and I know that there was, have you seen a push in the popularity of corn snakes since the Asian markets have kind of opened up a little bit? Because I know a lot of exportation has now been allowed to places like China. So it's like a lot of corn snake morphs that were maybe either unpopular or on the lower end of price have not kind of seen an uptick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's really because there's just less supply now because we have right. outlets to ship out these lower-grade animals or whatever seen as a lower-grade or wholesale animal. Um, and plus, dude, if you've seen the, like, corn snakes in places like Germany and the U.K., like, they have some of the best corn snakes that will blow any of ours out of the water. And it's like, because they <laughs> took the attention because they weren't as readily available to them. Right. So, like, they have some killer corn snakes. There and was... it's like, we just saw them as a commodity and kind of um, lost out on that a little bit. There, gotcha. there was two morphs. At Tinley Park, I went there, and there was, like, two corn snakes in the back aisle. And I'd never seen corn snakes that looked like these things. And, I mean, like... We're talking like gray with like black outlines of the saddles and the saddles are like bright freaking orange. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, you know, 
you know, when I started, corn snakes was like, oh my god, it's albino because it has white on it. It's like, oh cool, you know, this is I'm like Jesus Christ, have I been out of corn snakes for a while? Well, the thing is, there's not many like base mm-hmm. morphs. There's like sixteen or twenty or something, but there's these things that are line bred to the point where it's a totally different thing now. Like, mm-hmm. and I get so confused at things like that. You know, like the fact that a sun glow, all that is is a line bred amel to get rid of the white and just be a bread snake. Um, right. So there's like lines that go back 20 years that end up being a completely different thing and can be sold as a different thing and are named different things that can just add to so much confusion. Yeah. But they're fucking awesome. Of course. <laughs> and that's what matters at the end of the day. <laughs> With all the animals right, I mean, you have in your mm-hmm. room, I mean, like, are you kind of having a problem with your brumation or you just kind of dip everybody down except for maybe like the few pythons that you got yeah so i have i only brumate my adults and um, in texas brumation kind of sucks um (laughs) but if you think about it i mean these snakes are in this environment so there's a group of people um 55 50 to 55 or else your snake will get sick. It's susceptible to sickness. If it reaches the danger zone, which is usually considered somewhere between 60 and 70. Um, I have always either when I lived in the Northeast, put them by a drafty window or this year I have like an outdoor storage closet. Um, I was able to get them in there and dude, Texas winters are weird from I put them in from November 1st to February, usually the first or second week of February. And um, between that time, it got everywhere from 88 degrees to 18 degrees. Um, I did have a heater in there, set it to 50. So if it did get to a certain temperature, it kicked on. But um, what happened is that it got unseasonably cold. Um, the heater's never been tested to that degree. Um, it was in the teens, and um, the heater was working a lot more than it usually does, and it ended up blowing a fuse. Uh, there's not really a way I could have avoided it. I wake up in the morning. I go in there. I, I temp everything. It's about 25 degrees in that closet. Um, I have this sun glow tester, a female in her water bowl, like a fucking savage wow. in this water bowl that's about to turn into ice. Why? And, uh, <laughs> and she laid a clutch, you know, not too long ago. So it's like they got down to below freezing. Luckily, it wasn't long enough to like, I guess, be significant because I woke yeah. up and was like, oh, something's wrong because the lights were off, so it was, like, you know, obvious. But but everything was fine. And then they got hotter, too. You know, they got to 80 degrees as well. So, um, and one of them even shed in brumation. I was like, all right, I'll count her out. Nope, she didn't <laughs> give a fuck. She still bred, still produced. Um, so I don't think it is really that big of a deal. Also, the year before, I didn't brumate anyone. 
I just turned their heat off, kept them at 70 in the danger zone, and had clutches. So, um, yeah, that, they're, like, built to breathe. I can't fuck it up. <laughs> Which is good, because I would probably fuck it up. It's not. Awesome. That's good stuff. I, I definitely need to get more into the Collier Bridge stuff. I'm still on that kick, so I'm going to get... <laughs> so. Yeah, it gets... It gets a lot easier, especially if you're in the Northeast, as far as brumation goes. And, mm-hmm. and dude, you don't need to feed snakes for like three months. Or it's amazing. Months. <laughs> it's bye, guys. Yeah. I'll see you later. So, it's like a built-in vacation into your snake collection. <laughs> yep. yep. Good, good times. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think uh, before we. I think we got like maybe 15 minutes or so, but real quick, I wanted to talk about uh, any of our experiences with egg binding and palpating eggs out of females. Um, and the reason is, is one of our listeners had an issue and, you know, I told yeah. them that we would just hit on, uh, hit on that tonight. Have you ever had any uh, experience with that, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love this because it's another like corn snakes are fucking invincible story. Um, last, okay. <laughs> last year I had a female that produces for me year after year. She's pretty old, but she would drop consistently like 25 eggs. And uh-huh. um, she actually double clutched. I didn't try to double clutch her, but she was just laying on a, a clutch of slugs. And she had a twisted oviduct. And she pushed out the eggs, but her oviduct came with it, right? It, like, collapsed or whatever. Um, at least I think that's an oviduct. I don't know where eggs come that from. Sounds, um, sounds right? familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit, that's bad. So I actually palpated them out of the little, you know, tube-like oviduct, and I just palpated them out of her body and then um, brought her to the vet. And I was like, hey, man, I palpated this. doesn't seem like there's any more eggs in there. Um, like an idiot, the vet took my word for it instead of saying, hey, dude, I'm a doctor of veterinary medicine, and you're Let's an idiot. Check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, all he did was slice off the oviduct at where oh. it came out, um, just kind of stuffed it back in there, and we were on our way. And, uh, by the way, we – our regular vet um, didn't have any appointments, and I wanted to happen soon because she had an organ outside of her body. So I'm like, it's hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to, like, the two vets that I know of, and they were all booked up for the immediate time, and they said they referred me to this place that I've never been before, which we rolled up, and it was a glorified trailer that they called a veterinary, whatever the hell they call it. Um, but... So he sliced the oviduct off, took her home. The next day, I go in there. More of her oviduct is out, and there's a couple more slugs in there. So um, I palpated them out again. I said, Melissa, um, I have a feeling that this corn snake won't live. And then I just I didn't know what to do. And the next day, it, like, dried out. And became a hard, I don't even know how to explain it, 
But uh, it ended up drying out and falling off. And then whatever was meant to be in her body sucked back in, and she's still alive right now, a year later. Um, So, I don't know. Holy shit. Holy shit. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, that was actually, like, my only experience. Okay. Um, Wow, that's... uh... That's freaking crazy, man. That is ahead, crazy. Um, I've had two experiences with egg binding. Um, one that ended pretty badly. Uh, the first Jaguar I ever bought uh, was from Willie uh, Aurora. Um, the I think it was her third clutch. It was the first time I'd ever bred a caramel to her. So I was sitting on MBB line caramel jags getting ready to be laid. And she looked gravid as hell, and she looked huge. So uh-huh. I thought we were all good. What I didn't realize is that she was bound up, as well as um, also uh, she um, was constipated. So she had a bunch of shit in there, too. So by the time I realized what the hell was going on, she had started passing the eggs, and then she just up and died. Um, it was still too early because so I ended up doing was trying to get as many of the eggs out of her as I could, but it was like egg and poop and all this stuff all mixed in at one thing. It was a very bad thing. She, so she ended up dying and the eggs ended up being bad. Um, the other instance of egg binding I have was last year. Um, when I, my caramel female Venus she laid her clutch, and the same thing happened. Her oviduct came out with one of the eggs. I think it was one of the eggs towards the middle. So she kept laying all the other eggs on top of it and, like, pulling her organ out of her body. And when I came and I found her, she was sitting on top of the eggs in pretty much like a pool of her own blood. And I thought she was done. I thought she was dead. Um, when I went to go try to pull her off the eggs, she ended up ripping the oviduct uh, trying to get away from me, like in that one instance. So uh-huh. what was left went back inside. The rest was kind of on the eggs. Um, I cleaned the cage, got the eggs out of there, did all that fun stuff, and I was in the same boat as Joe where I'm like, she's dead. You know, there's no way an animal can survive all this stuff, and, you know, th- we're done. Like, I'm going to come down here tomorrow, and she'll be dead. Came down tomorrow, and she was poking her head around looking for a rat. I'm like, all right, I'll feed you, but... You know, you'll probably be dead tomorrow, and next day she was there, and she's still running around downstairs right now sitting in a cage. I mean, I'm not breeding her, but, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've had it twice. Oh, go ahead. I was just like, I'm going to feed you. Like, are you going to be able to shit? Exactly, all that stuff. Yeah, and it's been fine. (laughs) Exactly, it was like the... And it was like waiting until the thing, like, all right, I'm going to feed you, but you're probably going to just never shit, and you're going to die. And then it takes a giant crap, and I'm like, all right, but I guess you'll I, – I don't know. I think she even actually ovulated this year because she got huge and went off food, and now she's back eating again. So for all I know, she ovulated, and then nothing happened. So I don't know. Um, but there you go. I've had it three times. Um, the first time I had it was with a caramel female. And uh, I called Owen. He came over, um, and he we palpated the egg out. But when we palpated the egg out, well, something from the inside kind of came out as well. 
Um, and I think as much as uh, Owen was, you know, did the best that he could with, you know, I think it was already that she was already damaged. I, I don't think that anything that you could have done or I could have done, or even a vet could have done at that point, you know, uh, you know, uh, could have helped her. So I guess my question would be like, when that happens, do you guys follow the mindset of, you know, going immediately to a vet or do you think that like palpating the egg out is, is a good course of action? Well, let me put it this way. I, cause I just remembered I did have one other time where a female was bound because one of her eggs was just so freaking big. It was like stoppering her up and then all the ones behind it were no good. Uh, so I did take her to the vet and they looked at it under an x-ray and they determined that all the eggs behind it were slugs. So they drained the big egg through by sticking a needle, like through, uh, her side or something like that into the egg and draining it. And then on the way home, uh, they gave her a shot of uh, Pitocin. So on the way home, I mean like all the slugs came out and she was fine. And she's actually one of the females that dropped a clutch, um, last week. So right. I kind of want to err on the side of go to the vet because they have um, the uh, Pitocin they can use to kind of try to get some things moving. Uh, they also can do any kind of an x-ray to see if there is a blockage um, or even to see if the eggs are kind of good. So I would err on the side of if you think something misses an egg date, go to the vet because I've had one female that blew right past her due date and then we went to the vet doc d gave her a shot of pitocin and then we got home and that night she laid her clutch so oh okay sometimes you just need a little help yeah so, well, well yeah i mean with the with that female you know i actually ended up breeding her this year and um she did get egg bound and unfortunately this time she did not make it you know, and I just came in and she had laid a clutch of five, but she had a bunch still in her that you could clearly see. I didn't even get a chance to even try to palpate anything out, but I think, uh, you know, whatever was torn, um, was messed up. That's why I retired that coastal female because the year before I palpated eggs out of her and uh, I tried to breed her this year, but, you know, I kind of got nervous and kind of backed out because I'd rather have her just as a pet, even if it is just a pet and have her retired than have a situation where she dies as well. But um, I don't know. It's like one of those things when I did it, it was like uh, I could see that I could try to palpate it out following what you did, Owen. And I'm not saying that that's the way to go, but, you know, sometimes yeah. you have to react because isn't there, I mean, I don't know if it works the same with colubrids as well, but like the longer the eggs stay there, the harder they are to get out. Right. Yeah. Well, I would, I would have no idea, but if I had that egg that I saw that was obviously stuck like right at the cloaca and do, mm -hmm. the, I mean, I would, I would try to do the probe thing. I don't know if you've seen people do that in colubrids, but um, mm -hmm. essentially open up the cloaca with a probe and kind of, I don't know, widen the, the canal and kind of palpate at the same time. And you can ah. usually pop an egg out and then they will uh, lay the rest of the clutch. I've never had to do it personally, 
but okay. I've seen people have to do that. Seen it done. Okay. I've I've heard the old thing of that if a snake is kind of I don't know either stopped halfway through you should feed it, and that maybe by feeding it uh, it'll get all the other eggs out. I heard that was like a a quick trick to um, if an animal is either egg bound or is kind of stopped laying in between. So. Right. That sounds ballsy and time-consuming. Thank you. <laughs> so that also, if you're wrong, you've just wasted all this time. But right. whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we hit on that, I guess. And uh, I'm just curious, Joe, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on before Owen hits you with the closing questions? No. I mean, it's great being able to talk. It's also weird not being in control and being like, am I talking about the right stuff or talking about shit that's on top of it? It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> for sure. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Go All for right. it, Owen. All right, so Joe, I'm pretty sure you know the drill at this point, but the first question is definitely um, if you could have any reptile on the planet without any restrictions or limitations, whether it be by law or price or whatever Melissa says, um, what would it be and why? Um, I really don't have, like, far-out desires for things that would be illegal or things that I can't keep. But, I mean, if there was no limitations as far as money, I mm-hmm. would – Probably want a blackhead in like a 20 foot enclosure or something just ridiculous. <laughs> Either an olive or a blackhead in just the most ridiculous mini Australia in my living room. <laughs> One of those people, people like there's a snake in there. You go, oh yeah, it's in there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I haven't seen it. Something <laughs> keeps eating the rat I put in there. So yeah, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. That would be awesome. Um, the next one is if you could go and herp anywhere in the world, where would you want to go and what would you be hoping to find? So this has changed over time and um, (laughs) I definitely want to go to Costa Rica, but first, after reading Bill Love's book about Madagascar, um, I just don't know if there's many native species in the like wild type animals that look as good as the animals in Madagascar, as far as chameleons, you know, the most beautiful chameleons in the world Uh and um, the ground boas that are just so naturally interesting looking and cool looking. So really what I would want to do is find a huge boa ground boa in Madagascar. That'd be awesome. Yeah, they're cool. That'd be very cool. So uh, the next thing, Joe, is um, how can people find you and uh, how would people follow you on there if you want to toss out any of your contact information, the, you know, all the stuff for the Ground Up podcast, uh, how would you go about doing that? Uh, we're easy to find, portcitypythons.com, portcitypythons on Instagram, portcitypythons on YouTube, from the Ground Up, available wherever you download stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Awesome. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'll admit that I'm a little worried about what picture you're going to post my face on on this 
like that is that is something that haunts my nightmares. Um, oh. but, Come know, on, Rob. Where we got to think of something really good. No, can you do not help them. <laughs> no, you and it's, your other one. Stop it. Yeah. It's hard because people I don't know, um, it's hard to get ballsy with uh, putting face on things. But now that we talk for two hours straight, oh, um, shit. you're going to be on something that you're definitely not going to like. But oh, yeah, yeah. Eric will like it because there's that. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, when up. do you go on the show? When is it? Uh, Joe's the fourth? Dude, I'm the same way. I have no fucking idea. I just put <laughs> names right. in the calendar. And Sometime they pop soon. Up. We don't know. June fourth is a June Monday, three, not next three, Monday. The following on Monday. a Monday. I, I, is it there a Monday? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was June. Well, because I was like, I can't put you on the Memorial Day show because it's on Tuesday, and I heard you're busy on Tuesday night. So I was like, fine. Now you got to do the next. I have this, you know, engagement that I have to do every Tuesday. So. You could have mm. took him. I could have had an IJ show, man. We should have worked that out. <laughs> you had one already this season. Don't get greedy. Uh, you know, uh, well, nice. I think I have an Indigo show on Tuesday, so it worked out. Nice. I like Indigos. So I'm <laughs> so, pumped about that. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, That's Joe, like, you're going to come Hold on. I have to pause for something real quick. Hold on. Go. I got to pause for real quick. So both of you guys that are big time into colubrids, why no indigos, the badass colubrid of North America? Besides I'm the... Poor. Oh, okay. That, that's, that's a good one. That's a good um, reason. <laughs> Owen, what's your excuse? You don't have an I excuse. Am, shut up. I'm going to give you an excuse, and it's going to be a great excuse. Well, I am limited on space. So... Yes. But, there. dude, it's the coolest of all colubrids. I understand that. It's just like, you know, I have to tell Andrew to get his damn Nile monitors out of my office, and then maybe we can talk about it. Come on, Andrew. Well, so, You're uh, cramping his style. A study, a study was done on indigos um, through telemetry, and indigos travel in an area of about a mile, of a square mile. So mm-hmm. if I don't have any, if I keep them in a six foot by two foot by three foot enclosure, knowing that information, even though my jungles probably do the same thing, it's just not on paper somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I feel bad. But, so what so kind of size enclosure would that, you have for that? I could do that giant 20 foot enclosure, but for the indigo, maybe that might work out. There you go. Or a mile square in <laughs> Get a lot of land in Pennsylvania. No limitations, like, damn it. Exactly. Those... There were no limitations. Yeah. <laughs> we're not worried about indigo made. habitat. Yeah, yeah. a dome that I built in the middle of the woods. And that's where I keep my indigos. Yeah. I just release yeah. little baby corn snakes for it to eat every once in a while. Now the controversy else. begins. Yeah, there it is. There it is. It's like the, the hate mail out there. I know. <laughs> so I'm just going to settle for the poor man's indigo. I'm just going to go try to track down some really nice all black pines. And yeah, uh, if an indigo shit on you and tried to bite you immediately as you open its enclosure. Yeah, that's exactly what it would be like. Yeah. So. Okay. 
Yeah. I, I mean, just when I was a kid, that was always a species that I thought was badass, you know. And I guess if I ever yeah. really got colubrids, that would be uh, a way to go. But why don't you have any? Why don't you jump? Because I'm a python stuff? guy. I damn it! He's Clearly, not, he doesn't have any colubrids anymore. Nope, not a one. <laughs> not a well. one. Well, I lived through you guys. <laughs> yeah, you very cool. Whatever. So, yeah, man, uh, you guys are doing an awesome job with the podcast. Keep it up. Uh, it gets me through my uh, cleaning on Tuesday, so that's always uh, always good to have. Uh, I appreciate. But, uh, I'm glad it's coherent <laughs> enough for you to listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that's the goal. I, that is the goal. Yeah. Good good stuff, man. So keep it up. And, uh, yeah, man, I guess we'll have to do this again at some point when uh, we can get Melissa and we'll get the real true story of uh, how things are. Oh, God. At poor city Python. Yeah, we'll have awesome. to do uh, something with all four of us in person and try to oh, set it up. Lord. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, absolutely. So, oh, dear yeah, <laughs> I was telling Owen, like, uh, since you guys won't be able to make it to Carpet Fest, we'll have to have our own little uh, side Carpet Fest for you guys uh, as a welcome to Pennsylvania and uh, become one of us Northerners. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing because the one thing about leaving Texas is we were worried that even though we're going to kind of a hot spot for snakes in itself in the Northeast and at Philly in particular, um, here in Dallas, I mean, we have a great community and like people that we consider super close friends and every reptile, um, show is a party. So it's like, right. if we could, there. you know, have, have a community like that. I mean, it's crucial Yeah, as far I mean, as staying, staying, engaged with the hobby and you know it has its up and ups and downs but like the people that are close in the hobby like they keep you going mm-hmm. absolutely so, well i mean and, and the other thing is that you're 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 ditching bill steagle but you're gaining you know eric and owen i mean you're leaving you know gtp keeper radio guys but you're coming to you know really python radio and, and the the carpet fest original chapter i mean come on yeah yeah, you good. can't, but you yeah, can't throw a fucking rock around yeah. here without hitting a chondro guy. That's a true story, man. Go a little further south from us, and yeah, you'll find Maryland. The same thing. You'll hit Maryland yeah. seems to be like where they're all at. <laughs> God forbid ever something Maryland. happens to Maryland, half of the chondros in the United <laughs> States will be yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah. So. Awesome. But, but I, I very look cool forward to, to getting up there. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. That would be cool. So. All right, man. You have a great night. And, uh, you know, I look forward to uh, hearing the next show. So. Awesome, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I've been listening forever. I never really thought I'd be on it myself. <laughs> and, uh <laughs> Yeah, I hope I didn't curse too much and no, ramble no, too much I, and things no. are coherent. That's it. No, yeah. I'm, I'm here, so you did not curse that much. I mean, I yeah. every all the time. Anyway, so <laughs> we'll definitely catch up with you soon and uh, look forward to uh, being on your show soon. So, yeah, it'd be very cool. All right. Later, guys. Have a good uh, one. Uh, have a good you one too. Day.
All right, let's wrap this baby up and uh, yeah, it was Put good, it to bed. good, good stuff. So uh, yeah, next week um, I'm working on uh, a couple, a couple of guests to line up, but uh, next week we should have uh, have something cool. Um, and then when's Northeast Carpet Fest show? Or wait, we have one no. or two shows before Carpet Fest. Two next week, and then the week before. So the following week, that we're going to have David Brahms on, and we're going to be talking about. Um, he did a post. Well, we're going to be talking about a couple of things. Obviously, he does that 3D enclosure stuff, and uh, he actually, I got to message him to let him know it came. But uh, he donated some of that stuff to the auction, which is pretty That's awesome. Cool. And nice. um, so 3D, uh, 3D designs, I think it is. Um, okay. anyway, he makes like these 3d perches and like water bowls and just like all these cool little things that like making keeping snakes a lot easier and, uh, yeah. perches and like faces for tubs so that you can make it like a cage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, um, he's going to come on and talk about that, but more importantly, I wanted to, he did a post, uh, on the, uh, MVS Facebook page and, um, he talked about rain chambers. Uh, and what he does for his green trees and uh, how he uses it um, for them and how much success he's had for them. And it kind of got me thinking uh, when I was listening to you and Rob and uh, uh, Ron um, talking about hydration and how his approach now with the chameleons, because he went out and the dew and, you know, mm-hmm. Oh man, that, that blew my mind. And that's the kind of stuff that geek that I geek out about, like, you know, thinking about it and trying to take it to the next level and like making sure that our animals are healthy as they can be, you know? Right. So, so we're going to be talking to him about that. Obviously he does, um, you know, Moralia stuff as well. So we'll be hitting on that. Uh, so that should be, uh, that should be a cool show. Um, and then after that, it will be after carpet fest. And, uh, from there we got some people lined up, uh, just waiting to hear back as far as, uh, you know, solidifying dates and such, but, uh, should be some, uh, some cool stuff coming up. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, carpet fest is June 9th, Mr. PA. Uh, if you're interested in donating to the auction, uh, reach out to, uh, Owen or myself, uh, same with food and, uh, we'll add you on to the list. Um, uh, really go over to that group page and you'll be able to follow all the info. Uh, and it starts about three o'clock on Saturday. Um, you know, obviously if you get here a little bit before it, you know, awesome. But for the most part, uh, around three o'clock is when the festivities will be in that week. We're going to start with the auction and put the stuff up. I'm not sure exactly what day yet, you know, and have to like nail that down. Um, but uh, basically the online stuff, I guess will end um, on Friday at some point. And then, uh, you know, Saturday, uh, the people that are at carpet fest will have the final chance to bid, um, on certain things. So I guess if you're really wanting something that's in the auction, you better get somebody that's, uh, at carpet Fest Fest. (laughs) to make sure that you, uh, get those final tallies in. And I know we talked about possibly, you know, live streaming the auction where people who are watching could bid, but it's one of those things where it's like, 
we don't even know where you guys are. You might be in the continental United States. You might not. Also, you know, it's also incentive to we want people to have to come to Carpet Fest. This is pretty much setting up a baseline where if there's something at Carpet Fest that nobody at Carpet Fest wants to bid on, it still it doesn't go for like three dollars. There's still the right. online people that can kind of hammer at home. So sure. don't. Yeah, we're, we're, we're if you're going to watch it, if we're going to have some kind of streaming at the auction, we're probably not going to let you guys bid. So if you really, really want something, go on the online thing and drive that price up real high and maybe you'll win it. Joe just sent me the picture of what he's doing for you on the thing. I can't wait. Ah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that happened quickly. Ah, oh, dude. Ah, oh, so no, good. No, no, shut up. Shut up. Oh, hear about this. Yes. No. Uh, no. Okay. No. Anyway. <laughs> stop enjoying Dude, I my can't pain. Stop laughing. Shut up. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, uh, that episode, actually. No, not because of that, just because, you know, it's always cool to hear, you know, I talk to you every week, but, like, when you're talking to other people, obviously, you know, like when you were on GTP Keeper and all that stuff, that's always cool. <laughs> it's like hearing your other half talk about, like, what they really think when you're not there, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, like, <laughs> GTP Balin texted me when I was on GTP Keeper Radio, and he's like, you're hilarious. I'm like, why? He's like, because Buddy Bashami just listed all these things, and you went correct. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> like, you're rogue reptiles. You're, you do this, you do this, you do this. I'm like, well, you're not wrong. I mean, what do you want me to say here? It's like, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, shit. So yeah. Hopefully I don't do that. So we'll see. Right. So good stuff. Um uh okay um and uh for us moreliapythonradio.com um yep check that out our email is info at moreliapythonradio.com for myself uh ebmorelia.com and my email is eric at ebmorelia.com facebook page ebmorelia instagram etc etc um and uh youtube yes so that's for me owen uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. You can also go to facebook.com and look up Rogue Reptiles on Facebook. I did just get open up a storefront marketplace on the Morph Market, so if you want to go check that out, uh, just look under the Carpet Pythons under Rogue Reptiles. You should be able to find us. Um, I have a bunch of stuff for sale, but not as much as I'd like. But we have some jungles. We have some even some adult Morelia that are available that uh, we're trying to clear out some space for some of the guys that are growing up real quick um we also have a ton of eggs on the ground and not as much as some other shorter people here but you know (laughs) a good amount so um yeah so if you want to get into the list on any of those animals let us know and we'll mark you down um that's all we have for you all tonight so we're going to say thank you all for listening and we're going to catch everybody back here for some more radio python radio good night